When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. Boy, you're my best friend. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. The leaders of the House Oversight Committee spent over an hour reviewing the document that Chairman James Comer subpoenaed the FBI for last month. Although he was allowed to see it, Comer says that the FBI's refusal to turn it over merits the contempt of Congress charge against FBI Director Christopher Wray. It's been drafted, and we plan on having a vote on Thursday morning at 9 a.m. I want the document right here. That's what I want. Unredacted. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is taking on Donald Trump. He announced his candidacy for the Republican presidential nomination. It is quite the turnaround for the one-time staunch Trump advisor. I intend to seek the Republican nomination for President of the United States in 2024, and I want your support. Anyone who was in the Bay Area almost three years ago remembers the day the sky turned orange. That was September 9th. It was due to poor air quality caused by smoke from the wildfires burning across the state. It was so weird, as you may remember, surreal. Now, hundreds of wildfires burning in Canada are creating a similar effect. The smoke and haze is also affecting millions of Americans in the Midwest and the Northeast, uh, sparking air quality alerts. Immigrant advocacy group Make the Road New York says its survey of migrants shows unmet needs from legal to health services and from housing to food. Despite millions of dollars in aid the city has invested in caring for newly arrived migrants. I was speaking with the staff to see if I can put a few families into Gracie Mansion. I'm a big believer in leading from the front. I never meant to call you when Great tune right here. Prince, my man, would have been 65 years old today. Happy birthday to Prince, who I think died. If I had to take a guess, I'm going to go April of 2016. 
because I think I arrived here, well, I know I arrived here, in January of 2016 to work with Bernard, God rest his soul. And it was about three months later, I was going to meet my wife and her friend Jessica in San Francisco because they were running the Big Sur Marathon, which is a great race. And I was on a flight to San Francisco, and the lady sitting next to me was crying. And, uh, you know, I'm a very sensitive, nice guy. I'm like, hey, is everything okay? And she's like, well, somebody died. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Is it, you know, your mother, your father? She's like, no, worse. I go, worse? Worse. She goes, Prince died. I go, oh, well, how do you said that? And uh, she was pretty inconsolable. But I think it was April of 2016. Is that right, Lewis? You, uh, you're right on it. April 21st, 2016. Two days after my birthday. I had turned um, 2016, 49, something like that. Yeah, 49. And uh, on April 19th of 2016, and then he died. Did you cry? When I turned uh, 49? Yeah, when you turned 49. No. You know, age has never bothered me until this year. How about when Prince died? Did you cry? No. No. Okay. Yeah. I love Prince. Well. And we're going to play his music all day. But, no, I cried when Penny Marshall died, though. A lot. Laverne. That's a little weird. But you are sensitive, Sid. You are sensitive. Well, you know what it is? I, I tend to... I go back to the good old days, you know. I like to nostalgize about the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, Prince was the 80s. I know that. And he was larger than life. I mean, he was a tremendous musician. Tremendous. I mean, you talk about some of the all-time greats. He can play instruments. He can sing. He could write. You know how many people have had famous songs over the years that he wrote? You have no idea. A lot, yes, a lot. Tons. And his his credits are not there. Right. Some of them are, are, are hidden. You have to know. He didn't that, care. That he was uh, the actual writer of the song. Right. Plus, but, he banged every good-looking chick ever. Everyone. Outside my wife. Yeah. When I was almost in Minneapolis, he banged me. So I'm sure you would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. I would have done it. Oh he would have. Yeah. And I cried after. <laughs> yeah. He made me cry. He, uh, <laughs> a thing to watch, though, if you really, is uh, one of the Grammy, uh, no, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions i forgot what year it was when they did that last uh when they had the musicians come out and they all prefer, like tom petty i think was oh, i saw that at, yeah. George, yeah uh george harrison's son yes donnie yeah um i saw uh, that good good guitarist and he just took over the i think they were doing while my guitar gently weeps yes That's because there were two saying. versions of that right. song the eric clapton version yeah and that one with prince right. and he completely took it over he took over he did yeah. he took the whole solo at the end and it blew and everybody that was on the stage like this this guy is incredible this he just blows all of us away yeah in yeah. playing guitar he, we um, had this conversation when bob dylan celebrated a birthday a couple about a month ago because bob dylan is also from Minnesota, Prince and Bob Dylan, both from Minnesota. And I asked you at the time, who's a bigger star? I think you said Dylan, right? You said I, Dylan? I, I think it's, I think Bob Dylan is Oof. still, okay, well you, well, you like. I no, like I, I think it's too. close. I don't know. I think it's close. I mean, they're both monumental giants. Dylan rock and roll, Prince. I guess, <laughs> well, what, what was Prince's music? Well, yeah, you could Pop, say rock or... uh, R&B, rock. That's why yeah, he was R&B, great. R&B, yeah. rock, yeah. funk. Um, but his his style uh, took over the late 80s, and uh, Purple Rain was uh, sealed it. 
Oh, that album was like. outrageous. I mean, he made, and he made, all of his records were great. Until, all of them. Until, like, he got towards the, in the 2000s, some records were a little, you know, no yeah. one cared yeah. too much. But Bob Dylan, if you ask Bob Dylan, or um, I remember Ed Bradley inter- interviewed Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan, when he lived in New York upstate in the 60s or 70s, he said people would find his house and go up to and knock on his door to see what he thought of things. No kidding. Yeah, Bob Dylan, he didn't understand. Well, you why. couldn't do that with Prince because no. he lived in, he had this huge mansion, mansion with <laughs> gates in Minnesota. My first cousin, Norm Coleman, who was the mayor of St. Paul, Minnesota for eight years, then he went on to become senator before losing to Al Franken. That was rigged. He also lost a gubernatorial in that state to Jesse Ventura, my cousin. God, but he's been it. to uh, Prince's house. There's right. a name for that place. Uh, uh, it's uh, Paisley, Paisley, Pal- Paisley, Paisley Palace. Paisley Palace. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Look yes. at you. Look yeah. at you. I was, I was there. I was there. I you were never somebody. there. No, I was never, never there. No. no. Never. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't interest me. It's <laughs> great. I'm not like a big groupie. Like, I got to get in and no, see, see the unreleased tapes no. that he's got. But everybody wanted to. He's got, like, you know, piles of files that people think are going to be released someday. You know, sometimes, too, when people play themselves in movies, I forget what that's called. Myopic, is that right? Or biopic is when you play somebody else. For example, uh, Jamie Foxx, Ray Charles. The late, great Philip Seymour Hoppin when he played Truman Capote. Will Smith, Muhammad Ali. All these roles. Uh, when you play yourself in a movie. No, myopic is uh, when you are nearsighted. Yeah, that's, that doesn't work. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm really I, stupid, I, I, aren't I? I actually was trying to find the Yeah. Word. Where the hell is Charles McCord when I need him? <laughs> I see a woman holding her head with a migraine. Yeah. It's called nearsighted. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a website. It's called Sid is a Moron, <laughs> which is a, uh, I swear to God, uh, it's the guys that were on Keith Smolin's Sid fan uh, website. But they all hate me, you know. Show socks, Bernie this, Bernie that, you know, all that nonsense. That's really when you know you made it. Though. Of course, of That's course. It. Oh, great. Make, right. it, make a site. So right now, some one of those jack-offs just posted, Rosenberg is so dumb, he just said myopic. But on a serious note, <laughs> when Howard Stern played himself in private parts, that was great. He was great. And when Prince played himself in Purple Rain, I thought he was great. Well, he was just playing himself. Well, that's fine. But I thought both of those guys in those roles, Howard Stern, Private Parts, and Prince Purple Rain, were both great, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I thought Howard was great. Oh, so movie. good. Because it was just like watching his whole career. I know, but him. he was so good. He I caught guess. his facial expressions, where he just everything about that, the way he portrayed himself. I mean, Ivan Reitman is a great director. We know that. But he was great in that movie. Plus, you, you know, you hear him talking, doing the actual bits on the radio. Yes. Him. Oh, I know. So that's why it's funny. Well, it's his whole good. cast. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, Robin right. and Jackie, and they didn't take anybody Fred. as an actor. Fred, yeah. You're like the uh, Fred Norris, too. You're very similar to Fred Norris. Okay. Well, He's the real genius the, behind the Howard Stern show. The, the weirdo Fred Norris? Yeah, yeah no, you're weird. weird. You're yeah, weird. No, weird. But he knows everything. And he does okay. great voices, and he's a comedic genius, and you're all those things. Okay. So well, you're the Fred Norris of this show. Well, thank you, Howard. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> hey, all right. Let's do the uh, dial-a-date right about now. Hey. Let me tell you, it, couldn't be, it could be worse. Howard Stern won a lot of awards over the years with people like Fred Norris and Robin and Jackie and Artie and all of them standing by him. And I've got big news 
for fans of Sid and Friends in the Morning, and really, quite frankly, of WABC. It was announced yesterday, the, um, the New York State Broadcasting Association, NYSBA, New York State Broadcasting Association, announced the winners in all their categories, and there are many for 2023. And I'm proud to say, first, congratulations to John and Margot Katsimatidis. We've said time and time again what John and Margot have done to restore the legend that used to be WABC, that Cumulus absolutely destroyed, despite Chad Lopez's best efforts. Well, congratulations to John, Margot, and Chad, because it was proven again yesterday that WABC is back in a big way. This station won eight, eight New York State Broadcasting Association Awards. The luncheon comes your way from Manhattan later on this September. Congratulations to the Back the Blue effort. Congratulations to Cindy Adams. She won Best Feature for an interview with um, Governor Cuomo. Congratulations, Best Live on Scene, the Columbus Day Parade. Congratulations to Rita Cosby, Dominic Carter, and our very own Noam Layden for their election coverage. Also, congratulations to Tim Klein, best use of digital in the radio page tribute to the fallen firefighter from my neighborhood, Timothy Klein. God rest his soul. Congratulations to my man, Curtis Sliwa, coming up at 7.05. He won best personality on social media, but he was there for the closing of the legendary Lenny's Pizza in Bay Ridge. Also, Frank Morano, my man, other side of midnight, he won Best Podcast Interview for his podcast with Bill Shatner. And, of course, as Vanessa Williams once said, we save the best for last. Best morning show in New York, us. So congratulations, guys. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, man. Huge. Very exciting. Huge. I'm, yeah, like, huge. I'm beaming. I'm so happy. I'm you don't so even care. You don't even care a little. I care a lot. You care more about the Yankee loss last night uh, than us winning this award. Let's be honest. You don't care. It's like, you know, I'm going to talk to Elvis Duran coming up at 9.05. So you guys know, of course, that Elvis is on the air right now. Z100, Z Morning Zoo is on 6 to 10. So to be completely honest, we taped the interview at 5.20 this morning. And when I asked Elvis, why do you think of all these morning zoo shows, you know, why do you think yours for the last 27 years has been so successful. And he started to rattle off all the names of the people in and around him. Danielle, not my wife, his Danielle. Gandhi, some Indian guy. He went through three or four names. <laughs> and I was compelled to say, listen, I got Justin Ellick, I got Noam Layden, I got Lou Rafino. But this is the biggest bunch of bull crap ever. Because it was three other guys, or four other guys, you would still be number one. Because you're Elvis Duran. And he laughed and didn't say no. But you'll hear the whole interview coming up at 9.05 this morning. That's a tease. Oh, my yeah. God. Isn't that a big deal? Wow. that's Yeah, it's, it is big. It's Elvis. That it is. It's of a course. big deal. It is. He wasn't born Elvis. We talk about his real name. This is, uh, we're in June. It's Gay Pride Month. Elvis is gay. Elvis lost 140 pounds. That's, wow, really? I met him the first time he was fat. 
He was fat back when I used to listen to him every morning on the way to high school. Yeah. Every, every single morning. He was morning. fat. Yeah. So we had that uh, bypass surgery. So we talked about that. I mean, it's a fascinating conversation. He's a, a really nice guy. He is a very, sweetheart. Very nice guy. Yeah. I hadn't seen or talked to Elvis in 20 years. And then about three weeks ago, me, Danielle, and her friend Jessica went to see my good buddy Tommy at Il Cortile, Mulberry Street, the best Italian restaurant in New York. And sitting next to me, I mean next to me, Elvis Duran and his husband. And we started talking. You would have thought we talked every day for the last 20 years. That's how sweet Elvis Duran is. So you're going to hop on today. We have a lot of good guests coming on today. But I guess um, the biggest story, Noam is right, it's the air quality. Let me tell you how bad it is for me. Nothing keeps Sid Rosenberg away from the sun. I'm gorgeous. I got a great tan. If it's sunny outside, I'm outside. There were some moments yesterday in the afternoon where it was very sunny, very hot, and very good tanning weather. I did not go outside. I was actually nervous. It smelled weird. It looked weird. Started getting dark out very early last night. So, you know this. If Sid Rosenberg is not going outside to tan, it must be really Really bad. And uh, that was the case yesterday. Do we have any news on this, any audio, any clippings, uh, uh, Justin? Of what? the uh, Of the w- air quality. Of, of the air moving? Of the air? Do you want the air talking about the quality of itself? What is that now? Do you want the air talk- I thought you had a news clip. Qu- I thought you had, like, Dana Tyler or somebody. What is, the, what is there to report on? Okay, there's, stop yelling at me. There's God. wildfires in Canada. Just... They're coming on down. Hey, yeah, coming yeah. on down the Gulf Stream. Right. Uh, they're getting pushed by the... Um, yeah. By the southwest winds okay. of the, uh, of the um, you know. No. Um, uh, You're doing a great of, job here. <laughs> of, the, uh, of the southwest winds. This variety. is why you win awards. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, it's pushing the, uh, what's, what we like to call the, um, the phlegm from the, from the fires. What? Down the, uh, the, the river. I always have phlegm? Yeah. Yeah. Down the river not there. Good. Not good. Not and good. It's not, no. good for, not good for breathing. Right. And tough to see. Sure. And uh, smells a little weird. Right. Um, and uh, just don't want to uh, stand inside. So let me ask uh, the president one more time. How was that report on the air quality from Justin Ellick? Fake news. Yeah. So Chris Christie. Not good. Well, announced yesterday that he's going to run for president. Do you know why Chris Christie is running? Everybody knows Chris Christie has no chance to even be competitive. Everybody except for maybe Anthony Scaramucci and the owner of the Mets, Steve Cohen, were about to give this fat bastard a ton of money. He has no chance. He did have a chance 11 years ago. In 2012, you could have made a very good argument that Chris Christie could have won. But at this point, what do we know about him? A huge, huge GW Bridge traffic scandal, which he's never admitted to shutting the beaches and laying on his lounge chair with his family as the rest of the taxpaying New Jersey folks weren't allowed to go. Stabbing people like Donald Trump, like him or not, in the back after Trump helped make Chris Christie the big star he is today. And the only reason why Chris Christie is running, he knows he's got no chance to even compete. He's only running to take as many votes away as possible from Trump. And that is pathetic. Here he is, Chris Christie Lewis, cut number one, announcing I am running for president. I can't guarantee you success. Of course not. 
in what I'm about to do. But I guarantee you that at the end of it, you will have no doubt in your mind who I am and what I stand for and whether I deserve it. So that's why I came back to St. Anselm's, and that's why I came back to Manchester, and that's why I came back to New Hampshire to tell all of you that I intend to seek the Republican nomination for President of the United States in 2024, and I want your support. <laughs> okay, good for you. Bad all right. guy, really bad guy. Really bad guy. We got a, a huge guest list coming up, as always, 705. He has become a daily staple on this show. I love him. The listeners love him. Curtis Sliwa. Then we'll talk to the Congressman Peter King. He's in Washington, D.C., going to a very, very big hearing today, so he'll join us early at 740. Nicole Maliotakis hopping on at 810, going to take down Justin Brennan and some of these really, really far-left city council members. Talk to Noam Layden coming up at 825. Anthony Blinken on his way to China. We'll talk to Gordon Chang coming up at 840. Elvis Duran. Morning show king, the Z100 Morning Zoo. He'll join us at 9.05. And, yes, a lady running for District 13 City Council going up against Curtis's guy, actually. Curtis loves George Havanek. This lady's name is Samantha Zerka, and she'll join us live in studio coming up at 9.25. It's a huge hump day Wednesday show with your guy, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here. On Talk Radio 77, WABC. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Miranda Devine is very happy. This is The Church, an Australian band, Metropolis. Great song, 629, on your hump day Wednesday morning. You know, one story that did not get to yesterday, which I will get to this morning, and stop bothering me. Don't send me direct messages telling me what to cover, what not to cover. God, I'm begging you, please, sit back, enjoy the show. 
I don't need program directors out there. I don't need it. And I'm so immature that sometimes I purposely won't cover the story because you guys out there don't shut up. But I got a text from my good friend Bobby Hartman last night. My good friend Bobby Hartman became my good friend literally last week. First time I met him. Last Thursday night, Riverhead, Long Island, Mainstream House. He runs a sober living facility. He's a wonderful guy. Love him. I really do love him. And he sent me a text. He said, we need to discuss this. And it was a story about vending machines. I think I say you can't make this up probably 50 times a week. But again, here's another example of you can't make this up. Vending machines selling crack pipes, which the mayor, Eric Adams, seems to be okay with. See, Bobby made a point on this show last Thursday, the day of my my appearance that night, and he said, I don't know about you, Sid, when I was using, and he's clean a long time now, but when I was using, if the city or state made it easier for me, I would have died. And I agreed. (laughs) I mean, what are we doing? Providing needles for heroin addicts, putting crack pipes in vending machines. What? the hell has happened to our city, our state, our society when now we go out of our way to appease addicts, and I'm an addict. I did a lot of cocaine, a lot, a lot. Went to rehab twice, destroyed a lot of folks along the way. Not that it's all that important, but cost myself millions and millions of dollars. I would not be doing this morning show, I can guarantee you that. I would have been the guy to replace Don Imus, not Craig Carton. Millions of dollars out the window. Disappointed family and friends and, and, and lost friends who died from this along the way. It's not a joke. It's not cute. It's not fun. You can't be nice to drug addicts. Being nice to a drug addict is convincing them. Step one, I am powerless. I'm going for help. Whether it's a 12-step program, a rehab, whatever it may be. But providing drug addicts easier ways to do their drugs is not the answer, Mr. Mayor or anybody else. I'm not sure it was Adam's decision. So I don't want to kill Eric Adams. But if those vending machines are in his city and he knows about this, this is on the cover of the New York Post, then he is responsible on some level. And again, as a recovering addict, and I'm lucky to be alive today. I am very lucky. Put myself in some very, very precarious and dangerous situations and attempted suicide more than once. None of this I'm proud of, but these are the facts. And one of the reasons why this show does so well is I do what no other host will do. You're not going to get this from Greg Kelly or Mike Brancessa. Any other folks have had issues along the way. You'll never hear about it. I tell you about it. Because you may be in your car right now suffering, ready to have your first drink at 6.30 in the morning. I don't want you to do it. Don't make it easier for addicts to do drugs. Shooting galleries, vending machines, handing out paraphernalia. 
It's disgusting. It's disgusting. You're killing people, especially with the drugs today. You know, when I was doing drugs, guys did too much, or gals, they overdosed, they may die. Now, you do one line of cocaine, if that's got fentanyl, you're dead. You are dead. Doesn't matter how strong your heart is. So, there it is, folks, okay, my little editorial on this. As if this city, as if this city has not done enough embarrassing things, this is not only embarrassing, but it's dangerous. So I'm going to say it again. Mayor Eric Adams, witchy Governor Kathy Hochul, doucheface Hakeem Jeffries, anybody listening, please take it from an addict. Do not make it easier on us. Don't. And if you're worried about us going out there committing crimes, that's why you've got police. So don't defund the police. Don't demonize the police. Help the police. But letting addicts walk around all effed up. My son walks out of his school in Chelsea on 17th Street. True story last week. And there's a guy 15 feet in front of him on the corner of 17th Street with a needle in his arm. And even though Gaby is well aware of what his daddy went through, that is not something I want or need him to see. I remember the first time I found out they were selling condoms in vending machines. I was like, whoa! Kind of weird, but I get it. You're in a nightclub, you know, girl, guy. Still kind of weird, but I get it. But crack pipes? Needles? Disgusting. Back after this. When you broke this gravel for a piece. When you spoke a pilgrim. Back in the tropical circuses and elephants. Where the oranges grew. Back in the tropics. Thinking of the tropics. All right, folks, we've got Traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next and a great guest list today. That includes Curtis Sliwa, Pete King, Nicole Maliotakis, Gordon Shang, Elvis Duran, and others. But it is Wednesday. It's time now for the Tunnel to Towers update. My man, the CEO, Frank Siller, he's going to tell us what the foundation is doing to help our homeless veterans. Got to love those folks. Good morning, Frank. Hey, good morning, Sid. You know, there's over 40 
thousand homeless veterans living on our streets right now as I'm speaking to you today. This is an absolute travesty. These men and women put their lives on the line to protect our freedoms, and we need to protect them in their time of need. That's why the Tulsa Towers launched our Veteran Homelessness Program this past year. We want to eradicate veteran homelessness nationwide. Wow. Managing mental health is so important these days. Thank you for all your hard work, Frank. But we just don't want to put a roof over their heads. We want to provide a wide range of comprehensive services for mental health, financial coaching, drug and alcohol rehabilitation, and employment opportunity programs. The Tunnel to Towers team in Los Angeles today celebrating the latest phase of our facility there. We also have projects in Riverside, California, Phoenix, Austin, and soon will be in Tampa, Atlanta, and New York City. And I know your listeners care about this issue so much as you do and I do, Sid. You go visit T2T.org, donate $11 a month to support our homeless veterans. Thank you and God bless. All right, thank you, Frank. As he said, donate just $11 a month for America's Heroes. Do it today at T2T.org. That's T. The number 2T.org. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellicott with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Not a successful night on the diamond last night with the Mets and Yankees. Both suffering series opening losses. The Mets lost 6-4 to to the first place Braves in Atlanta after jumping out to an early three-run lead in the third. Thanks to homers from Lindor and Alonzo only to squander the lead a couple of innings later when Atlanta pushed across four of their own. So the Mets are now under five hundred. Yes. 61 games in, they're under five hundred. Yeah. They're just not a uh, not a good baseball wow, team. Wow, that is hard. And how many back are they now of Atlanta and Miami? Uh, they are six and a half. They're, they're three and a half back of Miami, six and a half back of uh, of Atlanta. You got to fire Buck Showalter today, folks. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa! I, that's why I don't do uh, sports talk. Goodness oh, gracious! Believe me, somebody will call Boomer and Craig today and say that. Trust me. But worth noting that uh, oh. not all is well in Jacob Degromland either. I saw that. He's going to have Tommy John surgery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's out for a year and a half. Yeah, he's out for a year and a half. So all these Met fans that yeah. were mad that the Grom left and the Texas Rangers gave him a ton of money, he made a total of six starts. Yeah. Six. And they, got, and they got to pay him for five years. Right. And he's already 39 years old. He's out for a year and a half <laughs> at the minimum. Right. At least that, yeah. at least that didn't happen to Verlander. Uh, listen, right. he, did, he did win two song awards here, so I still love the guy. But, but the Mets made the right move there. Maybe the only right Exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. Buck, Show, Buck Showalter's having an Irish coffee right now. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> Speaking of Max Scherzer, he gets to start tonight, the middle game of the series with Atlanta. 7.20 p.m. first pitch. He'll be going up against Charlie Morton. In the Bronx, Yankees gay got edged out by the Chicago White Sox, losing 3-2 after flirting with a ninth-inning rally that came up short. They just couldn't figure out uh, uh, Lucas Giolito. He threw six shutout innings. So not shutout, six shutout and hitless innings, I should say. And the Yankees decided to put Aaron Judge on the 10-day IL with that toe injury sustained over the weekend, colliding with that wall in Los Angeles, and their pitching depth also getting tested here. Nestor Cortez being placed on the IL due to a left shoulder injury, so he's expected to miss at least two starts. But despite that news, the uh, Yanks will have to carry on tonight in the middle game of that set with the Sox, the White Sox, at the stadium tonight, 7.05 p.m. first pitch. The Yankees have yet to name a starter to go up against Chicago's Lance Lynn. Also tonight, Game 3, 
through the NBA Finals between the Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat, set to tip off at 8.30 p.m. in Miami. The series currently tied at one game apiece and immediate fallout already from the sudden PGA Tour Live Golf European Tour merger announced yesterday. We'll have more on that in a little bit, but PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, a lot of calls today for his removal as commissioner of the PGA Tour. Here was sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. The Bengals remake your hazy shade of winter and came in one day last week and told you that the night before I watched this Grammy special on Paul Simon. I think it was on Fox, maybe on NBC, I forget. And then all these uh, modern-day groups doing Paul Simon songs. The Jonas Brothers, Trisha Yearwood and Garth Brooks did The Boxer. And the Bangles, who did this song, this remake, if you remember the great movie Less Than Zero, where Robert Downey Jr. basically played himself. He played a druggie. Oh, myopic. <laughs> myopic, exactly right. <laughs> but he was great in that movie. Oh, my God, that was a crazy movie. Great. What was his name in that movie again? Uh, uh, Julian, Julian. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I always remember James Spader. James Spader was a drug dealer. Julian, I've heard, I've heard this before. Yes. Why, what makes this any different? Very right good. Now? No, but I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you. Yeah. And the next scene you see oh, him giving oral to oh, a guy in the hotel room. Oh, he's but a, a very and everything. Oh, it's oh, gross. And a very skinny James Spader, not the one you see now. Now in um in that big TV show he's on, but uh, Andrew McCarthy was really the star, and the girl who was very cute back then was Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz, yes, less than zero. So the movie starts, and you see an airplane landing, and this song is playing. Well, I had no idea this was originally a Paul Simon song, so I'm watching this special, and they introduce the Bangles, and I always had a crush on Susanna Hoffs, the singer from the Bangles. Cause why she's adorable, 20 years ago. She walks on stage last week, Lewis. She hasn't changed a bit. You know how old she's still adorable. You know how old she is? 45? No. no. 50? No. I don't know. She looks amazing. No, you're going to have to go up. No way. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. You're not 55? Up. Cut out. Stop. I'm tell- she was born in 1959. Wow, she's 64? Yeah. Let me tell you something. She looks 30. I mean that. Incredible. I always talk about my wife, not because I have to, but because I mean it. I think Danielle, in her early 50s, looks better than most 25-year-olds. This girl at 64 looks 30. Same. She looks amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. And she just, she has this sexy, the way she still goes on stage, alluring, and she's very talented. Yes. She can sing. And play the guitar. Play the guitar. 
So what was the story you told me uh, earlier? Uh, you were talking about some guy well, she that... Play, she plays with various people now because she's solo. So now I'm just looking at her Twitter. It looks like she... You know Rufus Wainwright? Are you familiar with that guy? No. no. no I do love the name Rufus, though. Okay. I almost named my son Rufus Rosenberg. It was close. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is that close? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Rufus or Gabe? I'm yeah. sure Gabe is ecstatic right now. <laughs> <laughs> heard yeah. that. Uh, uh, no, she plays with some... Uh, a lot of solo musicians. Matthew Sweet was somebody... Yeah, no, Matt Sweet. Right. Matthew Sweet. They, yeah. They, yeah. they did these pop albums together. They redo a lot of um, classic songs. So she's off. still out there, huh? Yeah, she still plays, and she, you know, she plays at things like that. Yeah. She goes on great. on these award shows and stuff and plays with other bands. She she's was good. great. Yeah. She's real good. Yeah. Real good. So I'm surprised to say this, but there's only two stories. Again, I can't watch them on the air at the same time, nor would I, because it's absolute swill. But watching out of the corner of my eye... This horrendous MSNBC morning show, Morning Joe, with two of the worst people God ever created, Joe and Mika. Horrendous. Surrounded by a bunch of idiots. Mike Barnacle used to be a great guy. Now he's a douche. Racist Al Sharpton. Stupid Willie Geist. It's a great show. So I've noticed that the only political story they covered in the first hour was Chris Christie running for president. Now, why did they cover that? Because Chris Christie, already day one, has said some awful things about Donald Trump, and they love that at MSNBC. MSNBC, CNN, they can't get enough of that. So they played a little bit of that. But the story that hijacked, I would say, 40 of the first 55 minutes is this golf story. So it turns out a couple of years ago, Greg Norman, one of the great PGA golfers, he, he was known as a choker. He blew some tournaments down the stretch got involved with the Saudis with this uh, Live Golf. And you started to see that some of the biggest names in golf, the biggest, Dustin Johnson, the list goes on and on. They were leaving the coveted PGA Tour for much more money. Phil Mickelson, I think, was the first real big name, Mickelson, to go play for this Saudi Live Golf. Tiger Woods, one of the few that stayed with the PGA He savaged those guys, called them traitors. Basically, Benedict Arnold, if you go to live, you're a traitor. And it seemed like it was going to be a very, very ugly relationship between the two golf leagues. And don't forget, 9-11 families, I just spoke to Frank Siller, Wednesday morning, the uh, Tunnel to Towers update. Families of 9-11 will never forgive the Saudis because... Obviously, their fingerprints all over the hijackers, planes had crashed. They certainly played a role, 9-11. So the 9-11 families have been the most outspoken. Some have gone after Donald Trump because the former president is all in for Live Golf. In fact, I believe hosted at least one, if not more, of these Live Golf tournaments at his golf courses around the country. But I know that he put out a truth social yesterday after this latest announcement, which is something that seemed impossible, impossible. Two months ago, the PGA Tour, who spent their days and nights once again discrediting the Live Golf Tournament, talked about those golfers as traitors, 9-11 families, talked about that league as a bunch of terrorists, and now... They figured out, wait a second, there's money here. There's big money here. We've lost some of our best golfers. 
They're making money. If you can't beat them, join them. If you can't beat them, join them. And as far as I know, PGA Golf, led by Commissioner Moynihan, is now striking a deal to merge with the same traitors, the same traitors, right, that absolutely embarrassed this country two months ago. Now they're in bed together. Is that the story, Justin? Yeah, that's uh, essentially the story. It's uh, a big showing of uh, hypocrisy. He's uh, automatically now uh, uh, Monaghan, that is public enemy number one, um, especially in the eyes of, of the guys like the aforementioned Tiger Woods. Rory McIlroy is up there as well. They had a meeting yesterday uh, up in Canada where they're doing the uh, the Canadian, one of the RBC Canadian Open. So they were up in Toronto. They had a meeting yesterday to go over it all, to take questions, and apparently there was a lot of speeches that uh, that yielded uh, standing ovations that were calling for the removal of Monaghan as the uh, commissioner of the PGA Tour. They don't know what they're going to call it. And they're, they're looping in the European Tour, too. Which <laughs> That's is, unbelievable. The European Tour is almost just as big I as know. the PGA Tour. Here's so. what Donald Trump put on his social media site, of course, Truth Social He starts it off by going, Trump the fortune teller. (laughs) In a post on Truth Social from July of 2022, Donald Trump predicted today's news, which he often does to his credit. Quote, all of those golfers that remain loyal to the very disloyal PGA in all of its different forms will pay a high, big price when the inevitable merger and live comes. And you get nothing but a big thank you from PGA officials who are making millions of dollars a year. If you don't take the money now, you will get nothing after the merger takes place. That's what Donald Trump posted almost two years ago. Here's Trump's take today. Tell him, Trump. Stupid. Here's his quote. Great news from Live Golf. A big, beautiful, and glamorous deal for the wonderful world of golf. Congratulations to all. So, may as well play it. Here is the commissioner, Commissioner Monahan, who has come under major fire. Is it Monahan or Moynihan? Jay Monahan, who has come under major fire. Not the train hall. Right. For doing this, after being so outspoken about live, here was Commissioner Monahan yesterday. I recognize everything that, you know, that I've, that I've said in the past and in my, prior positions. I recognize that people are going to call me a hypocrite. And anytime I've said anything, I said it with the information I had at that moment. And I said, I said it based on someone that's trying to compete for the PGA tour and our players. Um, and so I accept those criticisms, but circumstances do change. And I think that, you know, in looking at the big picture and looking, looking at, looking at it this way, that's, that's what, that's what got us to this point. All right, once again, the latest from Trump. Great news from Live Golf. A big, beautiful, and glamorous deal for the wonderful world of golf. Congratulations to all. Huge guest list about to come your way. Folks like Pete King, Elvis Duran. But we kick it off. He's here every morning at this time now because he's great. My man, Curtis Lewa, gets us going. Our number two of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's us, sitting friends in the morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
Shit. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I was speaking with the staff to see if I can put a few families into Gracie Mansion. You know, uh, I'm a big believer in leading from the front, you know, and if if it doesn't go against legal protocols, uh, because there are protocols that are in place uh, that, you know, I can't use the building any way I I want, uh, but I don't have a problem if um, I could put a migrant family in Gracie Mansion uh, because I want to lead from the front. Um, That's the type of leader I am. Again, the Sid and Friends in the Morning Show wishing a very happy 65th birthday to the late, great Prince. Would have been 65 today. Now, you know, of course, we put this time aside. Now, every weekday morning, he's that good. He's great. He's on this station weekdays, noon to 1. Of course, uh, all weekend long. He does not wear a raspberry beret. He wears a red beret. But uh, nevertheless, he did choose that mm, song. Mm, mm. And he's been amazing for this show. And let me tell you is also a winner, one of the eight different wins that WABC can celebrate today. The New York State Broadcasting Association announced yesterday all their winners for this year. We've got eight winners. This show did win Best Morning Show in New York. But Curtis Sliwa, who's great on social media, he is number one by far. He did a great bit when they closed the legendary's Lenny's Pizza in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, that got more hits than anything else. So Curtis is an award winner as well. But I did play that Eric Adams cut because we've been talking for days about where the migrants are going. You've been really dead on for weeks, you and your beautiful wife, Nancy, where they may end up. And people keep saying the same thing. Hey, Mayor, Mr. Mr., you know, I care about everybody. Put him in your house. And now yesterday you heard that quote. He is open to putting migrants in Gracie Mansion. So do you have a different 
feel now towards the mayor. Uh, so what is Lurch? Answer the door. You <laughs> rang of the Adams family, right? Is, is there an un- Uncle Fester going to be there? There are two Ds in that Adams family, <laughs> as opposed to Eric Adams, A-D-A-M-S. But, yes, I can see the uh, the analogy. Yes. First off, first off, don't believe the hype. He's already prefaced. Yeah, well, you know, if, if there are any legal restrictions. He's never in Gracie Mansion at night. Political co-busted him. He goes over to the Petrosian brothers who have a condo right there at U.N. Plaza across from the United Nations in the 90-floor Trump World Tower, and he admitted that. Yeah, they said, why don't you go to Gracie Mansion? Yeah, well, you know, I'm coming from the Club Zero Bond. I'm, you know, sampling the nightlife. I stop off at the Petrosian brothers. I ask you, these are convicted felons. What the hell is he doing in their pad? Can you, can you find that out since no, you're a very dear I, friend I, I, of his? I, I don't know these people. I, I don't know who they are. There's plenty of room because he's never in Gracie Mansion. And then secondarily, what I prefer to say is now that he has suggested that for $65, a illegal alien, you could house them in your house. What about 936 Lafayette Avenue? The four-story brownstone that he owns in Bed-Stuy that he claimed, remember, he originally lived in the basement. We're there every week because we released Batman and Robin, our feral cats, to deal with the rat problem that this building is responsible for. And we know that the basement apartment there has been empty for six months. I've actually gone through the mail, stuffed in the mailbox. It goes back six months. Nobody's there. Does it say his name on it? Does it say Eric Adams? No, it's like all kinds of junk mail that comes in. Then the top floor is empty. So there's four floors. Uh, second floor, third floor are his extended relatives. Nobody on the top floor. Nobody in the basement. Hey, Eric Adams, you want to lead and then we can follow? Put in illegal aliens <laughs> in that rat trap of a house that you have there at 936 Lafayette Avenue. You know what uh, struck me was I heard somebody say, maybe Noam last week, that they're quote-unquote vetting, vetting locations, which you did, yes. uh, to your credit. But they never vetted these people. I think most of us would rather vet the people than locations. But I would imagine that if Eric Adams does something like this, it'll be for show, obviously. But he'll make sure whatever family he brings in, it'll be a doctor, it'll be a lawyer. Remember when Trump said, if you want to bring people in, we need merit immigration. It was a genius, genius response from Donald Trump. Merit immigration. Eric Adams ain't bringing in somebody who works on your lawn to live in Gracie Mansion. Let let me set the record straight on this. Uh, This man is out of control. I received three calls from Hispanic ministers who supported him wholeheartedly against me. But I've known them for years because that's why I started the Bronx. Uh, I started the Guardian Angels in the Bronx. And they said Eric Adams is on a messianic mission. He thinks he's the black Moses, that he's going to welcome all these people in. And that eventually, because everyone who becomes mayor, they all think they're going to be president that they will be so happy with Eric Adams that when you walk into their households in the future, because they ain't going nowhere, they're going to drop an anchor baby. You know that. And the moment they drop an anchor baby here, it's over. They're here forever. You're going to walk into their house. They're going to have on the wall, they're going to have a picture of Jesus Christ, the Lady of Guadalupe, and Eric Adams. Ah, and they're going to ah. tell their children and grandchildren, this man, this, Mo- Mo- uh, this Moreno was the one responsible for bringing us into the country. That's why we hit. And they will vote Democrat to the day so wait a they second. die. You're telling me that my friend Eric Adams, yes. who was a friend of mine, yes. that uh, his motivation here 
is not because he's got a big heart. You're no. telling me it's because he's got his designs on the presidency. Absolutely. He wants to get votes. Yep. And he doesn't mind screwing everyday New Yorkers in an effort to do that. Is that what you're saying? He's Curtis? already halfway out the door. You know, all these mayors, they're always thinking the moment they elected mayor, right? Right, let me warn all of them, no matter who you are, Lindsay crashed and burned. Rudy, my kumbada cheech, crashed and burned. And, by Bloomberg, and Rudy, and Rudy and was the best mayor ever. He was number one in the polls. Right. I mean, if anybody could have won that, it could have been Rudy. He wasn't even close. So you're right. These mayors don't uh, turn out to be very competitive. And they never run for any other elective office. They're dead on arrival. It's R.I.P. Although you got to admit Bill de Blasio put up a pretty good fight Oh, yeah, time. yeah. I remember. He couldn't <laughs> yeah. even run for Congress. People were saying, get the hell out. So, But this is in Eric Adams' mind that I'm the new face of the Democratic Party. He realizes he can get the black vote. That's not good enough. The rising vote is the Latino vote. So you get blacks and Latinos. You might have a winning formula. He's also got the Jews. I know we're not big in numbers, but uh, even that night when I was at Gracie Mansion for the first time ever with the beautiful Danielle last week, it was Jewish Heritage Night during Jewish Heritage Month, and some of the more powerful Jews, including a guy that you're endorsing, and so am I. Let me, let me tell you something. Ari Kagan on stage me, uh, saying wonderful things about the mayor, Eric Adams. Let me tell you something. You Jews would vote for a Democrat if they had a Nazi swastika on their, on their I, I armband. Know. Listen, I, my my brother-in-law, Harry, his both of his parents, Joe and Henry Wagowski, yes. were Holocaust survivors. They actually were taken off a line in Poland, and believe it or not, years and years later, by accident at a party in the Bronx for Holocaust survivors, they met each other again. What a wonderful now, story. Great people. Of a- and my brother-in-law, Harry, and my sister, Alana, they vote Democrat. Every time. Speaking of a party in the Bronx, slowly I turn, step by step. Uh-oh. Check Eric Adams' social networking. Who is he arm in arm with, almost lip locking, but Fernando Mateo. No. Yes, check it out. They were almost swapping spit. These Hispanic ministers are sitting there with Eric Adams, Aye. with Fernando Mateo. And Eric Adams is telling them, I'm telling you, it is uh, God. Remember, he said, God put me in he this did. position. More than once. God yeah. had me become mayor now because I'm going to be the black Moses and I'm going to lead all the Hispanics across the Hudson River. It's going to part there. You know, Shamu, El Jefe, Chris Christie, <laughs> yeah. uh, Orca, the killer whale is going <laughs> to let us through and we're going to march to Washington and I'm going to be the black president of the United States, the black Moses, he truly believes this. Now, let me do a pivot and shift. He always likes pivot and shift. Please. Oh, my God, Prince. Norm Coleman was the mayor of St. Paul when I arrived in Minneapolis. I think it was like the early 90s. Yeah, he was the mayor actually for eight years of St. Paul. I went to Central High School to give a speech. And as they gave me a tour, you know, in the hallways, guess who was up as an all-city football player, basketball player who could jam and also baseball player, all city. Prince, they were so proud I, I was going to say Dave Winfield. No. Prince? No, Prince. Get out of here. Yes, Prince. He was all city. Remember when Dave Chappelle did that piece, that parody with Rick James sure. and Prince playing basketball? Yeah. And Prince was stuffing backwards? That wasn't made up. That was true. Even though he was a shorty short, the guy could back stuff. Not only shorty short, but didn't look anything like an athlete. No. You're telling me Prince was a big-time athlete? All city. Football, basketball, baseball. We would dream of that. Remember when we were kids? Of course. Had three letters. Yeah. And then. He, he was well, that, a, was, that was Dave Winfield. 
He, he could have played professional baseball, basketball, or football, and he took baseball. Yeah, but he was George no, he was no, he was no Bernie Williams. He couldn't play the guitar. Oh no, no, he couldn't but do that. Prince, Prince, right? He was a Jehovah Witness. So he'd have to go door to door. Can you imagine he was wearing those lace underwears, going door to door, trying to get you to read the Watchtower? Oh, oh my and God. then, let's face it, it was every man's wet dream. Vanity. He wanted a call of vagina, Apollonia, and Sheila E. She had them all. Oh, my God. Oh, by the way, God. don't stop there. How about Kim Basinger? Yes. He had her, too. Uh, he was in Batman with her, right? Yes, he was. I mean, the list, and you mentioned the big three, Vanity, Apollonia, and Sheila E., but the list, there's about 10 or 15 very recognizable, beautiful women from the 80s and 90s that Prince banged every which way but sideways. But let me mention, you talked about those vending machines in which you could get not Snickers, M&M, Starburst, Twix, or Skittles. Or even condoms, right? which was weird enough. No, no. Crack pipes, lip bomb so you don't burn your <laughs> lips while beaming yourself up to Scotty, beaming those rocks up to Scotty, fentanyl testing strips, Narcon, hey, where are the free hypodermic needles? Oh, we give those already. What do you mean? They uh, already hit the one vending machine in Brownsville, Brooklyn, never ran, never will, where I took you with the guardian angels. Yes. They cleared it out, right? <laughs> I mean, and they're selling it in the streets. I mean, you got to understand, again, <laughs> stupid, stupid, not only stupid, but, but sick because... I repeat what I said about Bobby Hartman earlier. If you make it easier for an addict to use, we are going to use. You got to make it more difficult. You got to put these people in rehab and mental institutions. You got to give these chances, but these see, people a chance to heal. You also, if you're street smart, you realize the vending machines, they get all this free. They take it and they sell it in the streets. I know. It's paraphernalia. Now, it's Eric Adams' fault. It's his Department of Health of the city of New York. That's so it is this. his fault. Absolutely. This yeah. is nuts. And then they have injection centers in Washington Heights. And Hull. Yeah. You go there, right? Meantime, all the drug dealers are there like vendors selling peanuts, popcorn, and cracker jackets. <laughs> they don't give you the drugs. you got to buy it. So after you get injected by Nurse Ratchet to make sure you're not going to get HIV, AIDS, hepatitis C, how are you going to support your habit? You go through the neighborhoods and you rob everything you can put your hands on. Eric Adams, this is dumb. But speaking... Not just dumb. Again, I want to make it very perfectly clear. It's dumb and it's also dangerous. Do not incentivize addicts to use. Don't do that. Take you know, it from a recovering addict myself. This reminds me when I first saw Vanity, believe it or not. When you first saw who? Vanity. Oh. You saw Vanity before I saw Prince? Vanity. No. She had already parted ways with Prince. Okay. It was in the Ramparts, Los Angeles. We were patrolling. She's right not one of your ex-wives, is no, she? No, 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 okay, no. Okay, yeah. Right. Uh, we were patrolling the area. It's MacArthur Park back then in the middle of crack cocaine. Who let the cake out in the rain, Curtis? I never saw so many crackheads scratching in the dirt, you know, for one little particular oh, granule. Yeah, I've done, I've done and that. they were divided yeah. by ethnic groups. You had Hispanics, blacks, yeah. whites. Yeah. You even had Asians. And I remember, I remember one night at the Golden Gate on my knees on the carpet looking for a white speck for about, I don't know, an hour and a half. Wait, for one little white speck. You weren't there for a baseball trading card <laughs> show uh, that they no. had at the Golden Gate? No, I don't think so. Uh, no. You took the wrong exit, Nap <laughs> Street on the Bell Parkway. Very good. Very but, but anyway, good. So I'm looking up and there's this gorgeous woman, but you could see she was almost a skeleton. It was vanity. She had a horrible crack problem. In fact, she she eventually became a born again. She had dialysis five times a day and perished as a result. She died already. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh man, you cannot beam yourself up to Scotty. You know, you got meth heads, you got crack heads, and now you're going to give them a free pipe 
A free pipe? Come on. And meantime, these dope fiends are going to be out there selling this paraphernalia on the corner in order to get money to get their pee dope and to get their rocks of crack cocaine and meth. It almost seems like the current administration, for all the chest beating they do for how great they are, and some of those guys I happen to like, it doesn't matter, it almost seems like they are begging you, begging you, Curtis, to run again and make this Next election, much easier for you. Everybody said that Eric Adams was the street smart guy, 22 years a cop. He was a house mouse. He was always in the precinct. I made more arrests than Eric Adams. Citizens arrests, headlocks, jokes, full Nelsons, half Nelsons until the cops came. Like you saw the hero Marine Penny, who they're trying to, like, basically just ruin and destroy his life. Plus, they're suing him, too. So think of this, right? Here's Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. He's mayor of the illegal aliens. His own uh, his own supporters can't stop him from this madness. So I'm telling you what I'm announcing right here on the Sid Rosenberg Show. I know who all you guys are, you whales, you heavy hitters. I know that you got side apartments for your kept women and for your gumadas. Now, I'm not going to necessarily go to your wife and knock on your primary residence and say, you know what your husband is doing on the side? He's got a co-op. He's got a condo in which he's got the gumada and the kept woman. But I want that apartment. I want that apartment for illegal aliens. And if you guys who are listening all now, who are millionaires, who have been rolling dough for Eric Adams, to run again for mayor, and then eventually for the presidency. If you don't stop this madness of him bringing in all these illegal aliens and destroying the city in order to save the city, I'm going to have to expose you right here on the most powerful radio station in the nation. And after I do that, and your wife kicks you out to the curb and sues you for everything you have, half of everything, go ahead, line up and sue me. You don't stop this man out of control, Eric Adams, friend of all the illegal aliens. Why don't you have him come to the Adams family, Gracie Mansion? But I don't know if legally it's possible. How about 936 Lafayette Avenue, that 4-4 brownstone that is a rat trap? You guys don't stop him. I will stop you. You better control the guy that you made the mayor of the city of New York. Because he's destroying us day by day by day. You got that? I know where all the bones are buried in. Who buried them? I will take all of you guys out. And then you can come and get me. Bullets, lawsuits never stopped me before. I'm on a mission to save our city. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Last week I got stuck too. I bought a new book, A Hundred Ways to Make Love. I ended up in traction. It was a misprint. I never had any luck with girls anyway. I know I'm ugly. I went to a freak show to let me in for nothing. My wife, she don't go for me either. And when she gave birth, I asked if I should be in a room with her. She said, what for? When I got pregnant, you wanted a room with me. I tell you, since I'm a kid, women always gave me a hard time. My mother never breastfed me. She told me she liked me as a friend. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding? Oh, my mother had morning sickness after I was born. <laughs> I tell you, when I was a kid, I got no respect at all. You kid, no respect from anybody, anybody. You kidding? 
The time I was lost in a beach and a cop helped me look for my parents. I said to the cop, you think we'll find him? He said, I don't know, kid, there's so many places I could hide. <laughs> my old man, he didn't help either. The time I was kidnapped, they sent back a piece of my finger. He said he wanted more proof. <laughs> Hey, and I was a kid, I went through plenty. Well, my uncle's dying wish, he wanted me on his lap. He was in the electric chair. <laughs> ah, it's the same thing today, no respect. Well, last week I was going to jump out my window. They called a priest to talk to me. He said, on your mark. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. Oh, come on. Yeah, good luck finding somebody like that today. I love Dave Chappelle and these other guys, but that was the late, great Rodney Dangerfield. Make this louder. This is Tom Jones celebrating his 83rd birthday today. Happy birthday, TJ. It's not unusual to go out at any time. For some reason, I hear this song. Man, I really do miss Rodney Dangerfield. But I hear this song, and I think of uh, the kid who danced uh, in the Fresh Prince. Yeah, the uh, the cousin. Oh, yeah, that stupid. The guy who hosts America's Best Videos now. The Bel Air Show. Yeah, what was uh, the cousin's name again? He does that dance. Yeah. Still stupid, overratedly not what, funny. What, the show? No, it's not funny. The dance. Everybody I know. Goes, oh, the people love hilarious. it. It's what stupid. was his name? Will Smith's cousin on the show. Oh, I don't know his name. Damn. I know, again, in real life, he's the host of America's Funniest Videos. Colton. Is that it, Colton? Yeah, I think it's There Colton. you go. Yes. Yeah. You name, if you can name a very crazy guy that plays on this song. A very cra- Frank Zappa. Oh, no. But it's oh. a guitarist. How crazy. Well, you would never think he's on this song. He started He started a legendary heavy metal band. Heavy metal band? Well, yeah, they're they're considered one of the first metal bands. I don't even know. A four-piece band. They came from England. He was in the Yardbirds. Well, you're not going to know. The Yardbirds okay. I love, actually. And then, but he's, well, he started this band. Really? He started Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin? So who was he? Jimmy it was, pa- Jimmy, it was Jimmy Page, right? Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Page is on that song. Yeah, although I've seen conflicting things that that sometimes some people say no, it's not right, but I've seen it a numerous times, and I've always heard he was a wow. Session, he was a session guy too. He played on a I know with a bunch of people. I know. Yeah, before they started, but I never would have thought Jimmy Page on that Tom Jones song. Yeah, yeah, yep. He played. You know, Jimi Hendrix did that a lot too. Awesome. He's also dead. All the greats yeah, are dead. dead. Rodney's dead. dead. Jimmy's dead. dead. Rodney's right. dead. They're having Tom Jones party. will be dead soon, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, and he'll be singing with Rodney Dangerfield. I tell you, I couldn't even get a real singer. I can't believe it. Oh, very yeah. good. My mother said when I was born, I, they, threw, they threw out the mold. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring that up. but He's hilarious. Oh, uh, the best ever. The best ever. Him. No. He was and all of his movies were great. Back to school, Caddyshack. But I did speak to Elvis Duran, who is... I guess, without even any question, far and away the most popular morning show host in the city for all the chest beating I do about myself. And I do consider I'm the best talk show host in the city by a mile and have been for years. Sorry, folks, for many years. But in terms of success, uh, the amount of money he makes, Elvis is the man, Elvis Duran. And, again, we did tape this conversation at 5.30 in the morning because he's on exactly the same time that I'm on right now. And I asked him about music today, talking about Ronnie Dangerfield and how all the greats are dead. And I asked him about music today, 
and you'll be interested to hear what he had to say. Elvis Duran coming up at 9.05. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Again, to Prince, he would have been 65 today, the late, great Prince. And again, what album oh, is this one off of, Lewis? I think, uh, I have to check, I think it's Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times. Got a nice message here from the former chief of police, who, uh, of course, is a dear friend of mine, but just about everybody in this city, whether it's Bo Deedle or my next guest, Pete King, Joe Esposito. Joe travels into New York City now every Tuesday for cancer treatments. He just texted me this. Good morning, Sid. You make my ride to my treatment enjoyable. I'm smiling. Thank you. And that made me very, very happy. Joe Esposito, we love you. As you do, our next guest, once again, the better part of four decades as, along with Rudy Giuliani, the best politicians New York has ever seen, a congressman out on Long Island, all the great work he did with Homeland Security. He's just the best, and he's on the show every Wednesday morning, but at a very important hearing this morning in Washington, D.C., it's my buddy Pete King. Peter, good morning, pal. How are you? Shit, I'm doing great. I'm glad you had that message from Espo. He's a great guy, Joe Esposito. Whenever I text him, he comes back like, how come you're bothering me? I'm doing great. I'm in great health. You know, he's, a, he's such a fighter, that guy. He really is. He really is. Guy. And he sends me these videos of him doing push-ups. And not yeah, long after brain surgery, God bless him. He's a great guy. He loves you. And you know, we all love him, too. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I got a, a text from Nicole Maliotakis. She's going to join me at 810 because the New York City Council members are in D.C. this morning, too, to talk about the migrant crisis. Justin Brandon and these people, they want more money. That's why she's coming on at 810. I don't think you're, here for those, that you're there for those hearings, are you? No, I'm not here before the Intelligence Committee. I was on that committee for uh, nine years. You know, it really is funny. You and me talking about the Intelligence Committee. Talk about uh... <laughs> I love it. Yeah, somehow those names and words don't, you know, don't fit the same sentence. But no, it's uh, actually the new chairman of the committee, uh, Mike Turner from Ohio, and also the Democrat on the committee, Jim Himes. They wanted to bring back some sense of stability to the committee. That used to be a very sound bipartisan committee. And then during the whole Trump hearing and all those investigations at Russia, it really went off the rails. I was on the committee then. So they're trying to get it back to normal. So they're having five former members, three Republicans, two Democrats, to come back and say what the emphasis of the committee should be. And my point is, you know, there's um, so many hotspots around the world, Russia, China, Iran, you know, the Middle East, we can go through all of them. But to me, I just hope they don't take their mind off or their attention off uh, al-Qaeda, Islamist terrorism, because they are in many ways as lethal now as they were in 9-11, and they're lying in wait. And uh, I, my concern is that too often, whether it's the CIA or the FBI or all of them, they follow whatever the story is on the front page of the newspapers. And uh, you know, there's very little about al-Qaeda, very little about ISIS. But I can tell you, they are as strong as they ever were. 
we have more defenses than we had before. On the other hand, they're also adapting to that. So I don't want to wake up one morning and realize it's now September 11th again because we were so focused on the others. Now, we have to stay focused on everything. We've got to be able to walk and do gum at the same time. But that's my message today. Is, uh, you know, each of us is going to have a different message, I guess. Like Frank Loviano from New Jersey, he'll be there. But uh, my, 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 again, focus is that everything else is important, but please don't forget what happened on 9-11, and it can happen again tomorrow if we let our guard down for even a second. And I agree with you. I want to get back to that in a second. But, you know, you've uh, you stepped away from politics, even though you're still heavily involved. And people like Anthony D'Esposito, he goes to you, Joe Cairo, Bruce Blakeman, all these folks. And they should, because, again, quite frankly, for the better part of four decades, you're as good as politics was ever in this state. But it, what what kind of reaction do you get? Uh, how big of an honor when, in fact, they come to you to do something like this when you stepped away a couple of years ago? It does mean a lot. I mean, you know, it shows you're not forgotten, I guess. And, uh, again, to stay relevant, to stay involved, to me, means a lot. I guess I, I come back. I come back a day early just to get myself acclimated. And uh, so last night uh, we were down at the Dubliner, which is a local Irish uh, bar, I'll call yeah, it that. Way, way uh, to continue the uh, stereotype, Pete. Irish guy at a bar know, the night I before know, a mirror. <laughs> yeah, 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 but give me a break. I had my surgery in Long Island Jewish Hospital. So, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm a man for all seasons. There you go. Right. <laughs> So, but anyway, so again, we got together. Uh, uh, former staff members of mine uh, showed up. They, you know, they put it together. Anthony Esposito came by. Frank Lobiano from New Jersey, he came by. Uh, Nick Langworth from upstate New York. Alota was there. I saw uh, Andrew Garbarino during the day. So it was good. And then also the best thing, you come back here. You know, you see the cops again. You talk to them, people you haven't seen in two and a half, three years. But again, to show you how things changed, I, everything worked out perfectly. So I, I got a place to park the car. I was told the side door to go in. I got there early so I could get some meat before I, you know, uh, talk to you on the radio. First door I go to, it's locked. Oh. That's strange. Then I go back through the garage. I go all the way through the garage. Second door is locked. Oh. So I said, oh, my God, yeah, you're away two and a half years, and the whole world changes around <laughs> you. So, <laughs> but you're in. Then I ran into uh, this guy, Randy, from uh, Illinois. He's a great guy. And he's actually, uh, he was one of the guys who was on the baseball team when Steve Chalice got shot. He was the catcher that day. Oh, my God. He's down here for baseball practice. He found us another door to get in. So, anyway, I got in the, wow. you know, in, in the door, got something. Here I am talking to you. So, you know, what can be better? But here you are being anti-Irish, making fun of me because I was yes. an Irish bar. That's right. Yes. I was there with Dias Pesito and Loviando. Is that good enough? Oh, they, no, I love those guys, yes. And, uh, yeah. look, <laughs> that, that brought back some uh, memories that Bernie Sanders supporter, folks, who – Went to the field that day with a shotgun, and like you said, shot yep. Steve Scalise. I, I know Jeff Flake was like, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me, but he didn't shoot Flake. Well, thank God your friend Randy, the catcher, and it was a horrible day. Could have been a lot worse since Scalise survived, thank God. You know, you talk about uh, Al-Qaeda and ISIS, and Bo Deedle has also been saying that for years. You know, they're laying there, they're going to come back at us. Every now and then we'll see some lone wolf do something like that guy here Halloween years ago who drove down West Street, killed all those people. But we haven't seen a real attack where they put a bunch of people together, something major, since September the 11th. And I know that 13 soldiers died in Afghanistan last year, and a lot of folks said, well, there it is. That's going to pave the way for ISIS and al-Qaeda to come back as strong as ever. But you do realize, Pete, while I agree with you, we're going to be 22 years removed this September yeah. 11th. I don't think the public necessarily agrees. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you that the public doesn't agree, which is why I was telling the committee, you can't just always do what people are interested in. If you go back 
1999, 2000, and right up to 2000, uh, you know, to September 11th, there wasn't a word about uh, al-Qaeda. I mean, it was not mentioned in the uh, debates between Al Gore and George Bush. Uh, that, that's somewhere we're all worried about the sharks and, uh, uh, you know, uh, biting on people's legs at the beach and everything else. Right. It was not a talk about it. So again, and, by, by the way, and, and, it. And, and by the way, and, and it was only at that point seven years removed from the initial World Trade Center bombing under Bill Clinton. Yeah, it was actually eight and a half years. It was January, February of ninety three, so February ninety three to September uh, of uh, no, yeah, no, no. It was eight and a half years when, when, when the tragedy happened. But when those years. guys were running against each other, it was less than that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right. You're right. And uh, so again, it, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, Americans put a lot of things on the rearview mirror. It's ancient history. I mean, I'm not trying to sound the alarm. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, don't let our guard down. We don't have to be announcing it to the whole world. I just want to make sure that. All of the intelligence agencies and all our allies are working together on this and not allow it to happen again. Everything else is important. I'm not trying to diminish anything. But I, I saw before what happened when, uh, again, after that uh, World Trade Center bombing in February of uh, 1993, it was sort of forgotten. I mean, uh, uh, and again, even though know, interesting later on, people say, like, you know, Bill Clinton was warning. Nobody warned us. The fact is that uh, it was not a key issue. It was, it was on the back burner. That's all. I'm not saying the attack is going to happen tomorrow or ever happen. I want to make sure it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. And, when, and we're not that far removed. I know it wasn't the lower Manhattan or Shanksville, Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C., but still less than a decade since that brutal day in Paris when ISIS went from the yes. soccer stadium to outdoor cafes to the amphitheater and started murdering people all over town less than a decade from that. So I do agree, Charlie Hebdo, that whole thing. So I'm with you on that. But I will ask you, well, Gordon Chang is set to join me at 840, Peter. And you did mention yeah. China and Russia and the, the ones that everybody's talking about uh, every day. And Gordon's going to come on and sound the alarm that U.S.-China, that's going to happen. Do you agree with that? I believe it could happen. I, I hope it doesn't, but we have to uh, we have to keep ourselves strong in, in the Pacific. We have to make sure Taiwan gets the weapons they're supposed to get. We have to make it clear that we're not going to allow uh, you know, uh, China to take over the Taiwan Straits. And also, we have to make sure we keep strong with Japan and South Korea, the Philippines, all those countries. So China knows that we are a united front if they do move. But no, listen, China is growing economically. I mean, think of all the businesses they own in the U.S., Think of all over the world, whether it's uh, Latin America, Europe, Africa. They are, they're investing everywhere. And they are, and also their military is increasing so much. It's just a, uh, again, it's, uh, uh, China is definitely a real threat to us. I'm not saying war is going to happen, but it certainly could happen. Certainly it will happen if we let down our guard at all. One more. One thing, by the way, is really on all this. Right. You mentioned military, and I know you listened yesterday. We devoted a lot of yesterday's program to the 79-year commemoration of D-Day, June 6th, back in 1944, when we stormed the beaches in Normandy. And I brought on Colonel Jack Jacobs later on in the program yesterday. He spoke great, to other, by the way. Jack Jacobs is a great American. Isn't he great? Guy. He really is. Yeah. I agree with you. And we talked about you know, the difference today and and all that, and we talked about the military, and a lot of folks, at least on my side of the aisle and your side, are nervous that the military has become too weak. We spend much too much time worrying about social issues and not training for the Chinese or al-Qaeda, and there's a large portion of Americans that are nervous that this current army under Biden is way too woke and weak. What do you think? I think it's a real danger. And I, you know, last week, I guess it was, when Kamala Harris spoke at West Point, she said the real strength of our military is its diversity. Oh diversity has nothing to do with it. 
The fact is you get the best men and women in there who can kill and who know what they're doing and uh, are willing to put their lives on the line. That's what makes a great military, not, you know, again, you know, what their uh, uh, gender is or anything else. That is all BS. And uh, my concern is we are so concerned about, uh, again, you know, you're being woke by making sure that all of the uh, editorial writers uh, say good things. No, we got to. This, this is this is life and death, and uh, the enemies are up against. They're not trying to be diverse. Listen, I, as far as I'm concerned, we could have a hundred percent African American uh, army or navy or, or military or go. It doesn't matter. I don't care what color you are, as long as you're the best fighter we can possibly get. And, and, and you know that's really what has to happen. Uh, in fact, the other day when I was on uh, uh, Captain Cosby, uh, Senator Tuberville from Alabama was there who is also leading a fight in Congress against this wokeness of the uh, you know, American military. This has nothing to do with, uh, with fighting, nothing to do with having a good defense, nothing at all to do also with intimidating the enemy. We want them to think we have the leanest, meanest fighters in the world, not that we, you know, everyone is gender and racially diverse. You mentioned Tommy Tuberville. For folks that don't know, of course, I'm a sports guy as well. He was a tremendous college football coach a lot of those years at Auburn in Alabama. And uh, you mentioned him in the Katz and Cosby conversation. Don't know if you know this, but Tommy Tuberville's father was one of the very great Americans who stormed the beach in Normandy that day. Tommy Tuberville's father. I think he was 17 years old. Yes. When he, uh, when he yes. Now, just to be honest, Tommy Tuberville and I did have one serious, serious disagreement. He was the assistant coach at Miami under Johnson when Notre Dame beat uh, Miami 31-30 <laughs> yeah. back in 1988. And he's still, to this day, complaining that Lou Holtz had the refs in his pocket. I mean, yeah. the guy won't admit defeat after all yeah. these years. Um, he won't admit that Notre Dame clearly yeah. beat them that day. Yeah, I got to tell you, I kind of agree with Tuberville. <laughs> Oh, come on. Come well, wait, on. But wait a second. You have to understand, Peter, that I started my collegiate career, which included four schools in seven years at Miami and Coral Gables. In fact, I got there right after Bernie Kosar beat Nebraska and won the national championship. So I hated Notre Dame, hated them. But that was a really good football team, and you guys deserved oh, it. Great game, great game. Oh, yeah. great game. Uh, the Catholics versus the convicts. That was I the did. game. Yeah. yeah, that was a big one. <laughs> hey, listen, enjoy your day in Washington, D.C. I'm so happy you're back there and, and uh, got that honor to take part in this very, very big hearing today. And what you're saying means a lot. Absolutely don't take your eye off the ball. Al-Qaeda, ISIS, still very dangerous, maybe now more than ever in the last 22 years. So we love you, and good luck today, Pete King. Thank you so much. Thank you. And tell Justin, I'm going to be back at 8.40 next week. I don't want him bouncing me around anymore. Well, okay. got bad news for you. Donald Trump is on 8.40 next week. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Come on. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Enjoy the day. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. There's our guy, the great Congressman Peter King, at a very important hearing today in Washington, D.C. That wraps up first two hours of sitting friends in the morning with a lot more to come. Nicole Maliotakis, not going to be great, Gordon Chang. We're going to talk to a young lady running for city council in District 13, Upper Manhattan and the Bronx. Her name is Samantha Zerka and morning show king of Z100, the man, Elvis Duran. He'll be here, too. Second half of Sid and Friends in the Morning on this Prince's birthday about to come your way.
This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Stephen A. Smith, ESPN star on Fox News right now, saying I'd vote for Chris Christie over Joe Biden, and he's ripping into Democrats who are backing Joe Biden. And, of course, he's a Democrat himself, Stephen A. Who happens to like a lot. He's a very entertaining guy. There's a reason why he makes upwards of $8, 9 $10 million a year. I believe he's the highest paid talent at ESPN, and he deserves it. He's great. He's great. But he does do some stuff every now and then that borders <laughs> on racist, to be completely honest. Borders on racist. I'll tell you something, though, Brian Kilmeade. Yeah. I tell you, yeah. you got bad hombres out there. I've said this so many times, I get tired of saying it. We actually had him doing a dialogue a couple of days ago on a very important subject, which had nothing to do with sports, and I wanted to play it, and I forgot. Now I even forgot what the hell the topic was. But he um, he's out there yelling and screaming, I'll vote for Christie over Biden because Biden's like no Sid good. Rosenberg. I still like you. Yeah. I still like you. You can forget it. No, we good. Say it we again. good. We good. I'm going to say it, say it again. Yeah. Because I'll say it again because I've said it before. Yeah. And I said, we need somebody yeah. to defeat Joe Biden. Oh, Joe Biden. He is, yeah. He's fallen. He's fallen to lot. I don't even. I wouldn't even put him on my team in the starting twenty-five. <laughs> He's so terrible. He's so terrible. He doesn't even know what what hemisphere we are in. I said that before too. I think we just missed Nicole. She was calling in. There she is. I'll get it. Nicole Maliotakis. We've already had uh, Curtis Sliwa on. He was. He's amazing every morning at seven o five. He's on all five days a week now because he's great. Peter King was terrific. We're going to do some nuggets with Noam coming up at eight twenty-five. Gordon Chang, the Secretary of State. Anthony Blinken, that pussy, he's on his way to China this morning. God, I can't stand him. So we'll talk to Gordon Chang coming up at 840. Z100 morning show host, legitimate superstar, Elvis Duran. My buddy Elvis, he's going to join me at 905. And then Samantha Zerka running for city council, upper Manhattan and in the Bronx, District 13. She'll be in with Stefania coming up. At 9.25, but uh, here it is, Nicole Maliotakis, who sent me this yesterday, an article in the New York Daily News, which reads, New York City Council ought to D.C. to talk migrant crisis amid fraying relations between Adams and Biden. And you know that both Nicole and me are on a mission to make sure that Justin Brandon, who I've known for 23 years, 23 years ago, my first radio job ever in New York, morning show host, alongside guys like Scott Kaplan and Craig Carton, 102.7 WNEWFM. I was doing mornings, and Justin was an intern slash producer for Opie and Anthony in the afternoons. And we got along great. Little did I know he was a Democrat psycho, and I brought him on here. You remember, Lewis, about three weeks ago. And he was very nice, very complimentary, but he lied. For about 13 minutes. Here's my friend. She is not a liar. The great congresswoman, Nicole Maliotakis. Good morning, Nicole. Hey, Sid. Great to be with you. Great to have you. Do you know the history there of me and Brandon goes back 23 years? 
Actually, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, and he was, uh, Opie and Anthony were the biggest stars in New York, bigger than Howard. He was doing their thing. I was doing the morning thing, and I was shocked because he was kind of heavy and tattoos, and I was shocked when I heard he was a uh, a politician, not just a politician, but according to you, Nicole, and many, many others, a very dangerous politician. That's right. I mean, look, if you look at the wave that you're seeing in southern Brooklyn, right, remember a couple of years ago, I was the only Republican elected in southern Brooklyn, and now we are six of us. And uh, I think the next seat that we can get um, for Republicans would be Justin Brannon's city council seat, Bay Ridge, uh, Bath Beach, Bensonhurst. And guess what happened? You know, these Democrats are funny because they use the redistricting process to protect themselves, right? Uh, Here, you remember me, I wanted to keep my district. I love my original district of Staten Island and Southern Brooklyn, I didn't want any changes because, you know, I beat a Democrat in that seat, right? It was a pretty, pretty, you know, swing seat. Uh, but I felt that I served my constituents well, wanted to keep my district intact. Instead, these guys, the Democrats, what they do is they actually change their districts because they know they pissed off so much of their constituency. So they got to alter their districts to keep their seats. And as you know, Justin only won by 400 seats last year. Now we have the redistricting process. So he took out Diker Heights, Brooklyn, to protect himself because he knows he pissed that community off. Wow. And so to make it more democratic, to try to keep it, they altered the district. But I believe we still have a a real opportunity to take that seat, and it would be fantastic uh, because he is right now the New York City Council finance chairman. So just wait until the, they announce the property tax levy and you see how much that's gone up to pay for all these ridiculous things that the city's doing. You mentioned a couple of them today, housing migrants in people's personal homes is the next plan, putting up vending machines. When I was a kid, you know, it was like soda and candy. Right. Now it's drug paraphernalia, uh, $11,000 a pop. That is one Staten Islander. Uh, as property taxes for the year. Uh, so wait till you see what they have in store for you. And Justin was here in Washington yesterday advocating for more federal dollars to be able to turn more uh, hotels or schools or whatever into shelters for those who crossed over our border last week. Uh, and they want to continue this uh, housing migrants, just absolutely outrageous, while New Yorkers struggle to pay their rent, to pay their mortgages, to pay their property taxes. This is their priority. So last here, by the way, to tell yeah. us to secure the border, which right. we've been, you know, the House did a bill, right? When we were not, not to come up here to tell Schumer to do his job and secure <laughs> the border, pass the bill, pass the House's bill, or pass your own bill, but do something. Uh, no, they wanted more money. That's their solution, as you know, to everything. Right, more money, which is not the solution. Lee Zeldin did a great job of explaining that a couple of weeks ago on this program too. It's not just the money, so. Last week, uh, my beautiful wife, Danielle, you know her well, we made our first trip to Gracie Mansion. Never been there before. It was uh, pretty cool. And the mayor was there, and it was the end of Jewish Heritage Month. So there were a bunch, Nicole, of very powerful Jewish speakers on stage that night, along with the mayor. And the very first guy that took the stage is a guy that you're endorsing. He's a guy that Curtis Sliwa is endorsing. And I told him that night, and he was really happy to hear it, I'll be endorsing him as well, and his name is Ari Kagan. He was a Democrat. He's now a Republican, and he's our hope, it looks like, in defeating Justin Brannon coming up uh, next month. So I told Ari, we've all got his back, and he seemed ready to fight. That is your guy, yes? 
Yeah, look, I'm endorsing Ari, uh, and you know what? He's uh, been a good member of Councilman Joe Borelli's Republican conference now. As you know, he switched over because he's sick and tired of the antics of the Democrats. And this is a guy who, uh, you know, his family fled communism. He's very familiar. Uh, he knows uh, what's going on here in New York and in America. And he's taken strong stands, right? When the council, when Justin Brown and the council voted to allow uh, more criminals to be released recently, I came on last time to talk about that, uh, Ari voted against it. When, uh, you know, they they are all looking for more money to house uh, more migrants, further encouraging illegal immigration, incentivizing it to New York City. Um, Ari took a bold stand and said, this is wrong. We need to stop it. He actually led the fight to um, stop or end, rather, because they did do it. The city for a little while did put these individuals in a Coney Island school in the gymnasium. Right. Could you imagine these kids are in the classrooms learning? And they have people where they don't know where they're from or, or who they are, why they're here or anything. No criminal history, nothing. And they're putting them in the gym to live while the kids are being taught in the school. Uh, Ari Kagan led that fight to get them out. Um, and that was a, you know, totally, totally inappropriate. And Ari Kagan was the one that stood up to the mayor and said, this has to stop. And it did. And Ari Kagan is a supporter of the NYPD. I've been to, and in fact, that's how I kind of got to know him. Uh, he would show up at these events supporting the NYPD, uh, which, which, you know, as you know, in the city council, uh, supporting the NYPD is not popular, unfortunately. They, you know, people like Justin Braddon actually voted to cut $1 billion from the NYPD budget. That's one-sixth of their budget, okay? That was their intention when Bill de Blasio was there. Uh, Ari Kagan did not support that. So this is, uh, I think, a very important seat. And because the district, as I told you, was redistricted to include Coney Island, which is the area that Ari currently represents, uh, and now it's Bay Ridge, uh, you know, Bensonhurst and Bath Beach and Coney Island area, uh, I think Ari's got a real good shot of being the person that defeats Justin Brandon this year. And I'm all in. I'm all in because we need to have responsible people at the city council. Uh, reasonable people, not people who vote against the NYPD, vote against the taxpayers. Um, and, and unfortunately, Justin Brannon has been that person who has gone against the people of southern Brooklyn. You beat Max Rose now two times in a row, handily at that. You are clearly the people's choice and certainly my choice. But I was talking to Frank Morano, the great Staten Island native Frank Morano, last week, and he says all these elections, Nicole, coming up in your borough, I know you're part of Brooklyn too, but you're Staten Island, coming up in your borough, there's no, co- there's no opposition. Like, people are running and they just win. Like, could it really kill us to have a Republican DA at some point on Staten Island like Donovan? I don't think that would hurt us. I think it would help us, actually. Why is that the case? Why is it that all these races in Staten Island have somebody unopposed? Yeah, look, I agree with you. I mean, and I've always I've never had that uh, luck where I've been unopposed. Right. Um, and usually I'm opposed by both sides, right? I get the far right, right and, I get, and I get the far left uh, at me. Uh, but, uh, look, I, I think that, you know, I don't know. People don't want to step up and run. They're discouraged. Um, you know, people are concerned whether they're really going to have the party support. These races cost a lot of money. Uh, and this year's kind of like a little bit of a, you know, it's a weird year because you have a, because there was redistricting in the city council. And they were all elected, remember, last the last year, two years ago. They have to run again uh, this year. So it's a it's an odd year. Um, and yeah, the, everyone's, you know, the two uh, council members 
who are Republican and the one council member who's a Democrat as well as a DA are all running unopposed. I mean, I, I do encourage competition. I think it's important for people to have choices. Um, and I will say that our, our, um, our council members, particularly Joe Borelli and uh, David Carr, have been doing a good job. Um, so I support them as well. Uh, but would it, it wouldn't hurt to have competition um, right. for, for certainly the Democrats to see if we could pick up one or two seats, particularly right now where people are very upset and frustrated with the Democratic Party uh, because of what they've done under one party rule at the city and the state level. Well, I got my friend Jennifer Harrison. Yeah, no, but I got my friend, my friend Jennifer Harrison, who I happen to love, you know, the victims' rights out in New York, and she loves you too. And she's also attacking the GOP. She said the GOP in New York City is also completely awful, and they get no backing whatsoever. So she seems to think it's both parties. Well, look, I, I we've had problems in the past being a Republican in New York City. I, I, I always used to say, like, being a Republican, not, you know, the only thing more difficult than being a Republican in New York City is being a Mets fan. Right? That used to be my thing. Which, by the way, I'm a Yankee fan, just for the record. Okay, good. Uh, but what I will say is it's not easy, but look at what we've been able to do. We've picked up a tremendous amount of seats. We flipped the Mike Cusick seat on the West Shore that has been for decades has been under Democrat control. We flipped that last year with Sam Pirazzolo. Uh, in the Brooklyn side of my district, we were able to pick up three, three assembly seats, flipping them, kicking out people that have been there doing the wrong thing for a long time. We picked up three of those seats. We got Ina Vernikov, right? Uh, who's, Love her. Uh, yeah. In that, in, in that Coney Island Sheepshead Bay area. Right. And I, so we are making a difference here. We need more Republicans to step up and be willing to run. It's not easy, right? You're out there, you're being attacked. You, you know, you got to raise money. You got to do, it's a lot of work, but we need people, good people willing to take the plunge here and run for office. I agree. And uh, it all starts with that one race that we started the conversation with. Ari Kagan's got to be Justin Brandon. That's a big one. And for what it's worth, Curtis Sliwa, Sid Rosenberg, Nicole Maliotakis, and I believe many people here in New York are on the same page. As always, great appearance, Nicole. Keep coming back. Thank God for you is all I can say. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you. Yeah, and don't forget, Ari has that primary the last Tuesday of this month of June. So make sure you guys get out and vote if you're in Southern Brooklyn. Well done. Southern Brooklyn, go vote for Ari Kagan the last Tuesday in June, which is coming up very, very quickly. Thank you, Nicole Maliotakis. Still to come, Gordon Chang, Anthony Blinken on the way to China. We're going to talk to a young lady running in District 13, City Council, Samantha Zerka. She'll be here with Stefania. And the King, Elvis, not Presley, but Morning Radio's Z100's Morning Zoo. My good buddy Elvis Durant. He'll be here at 9.05. Sitting friends in the morning. Rolls on. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. You're nobody till some.
Everybody loves you You're nobody till somebody cares You may be king You may possess the world and its gold But gold won't bring you happiness when you're growing old The world still is the same You never change it As sure as the stars shine above You're nobody till somebody loves you So find yourself somebody to love Love the voice of the great Dean Martin as we celebrate a bunch of birthdays today. We've celebrated Prince's birthday. He would have been 65. Tom Jones, 83 today. And again, the great Dean Martin. And it was nice having his daughter, Dina, here for some time. She's a nice lady, very talented. Dean Martin, what a great song. Did you want to say something, Justin? Oh, I was just going to say that Stephen A. sound that you wanted. I didn't want to interrupt you. I know how. Uh, now, what is uh, what is is that a today from Fox News? <laughs> no, he was actually on Hannity last night. Oh, he was. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. That's yeah. right. So they were replaying the clip. Um, he was talking about how he'd vote for Chris Christie over yes, Joe Biden, but it wasn't as one sided of a statement as you would like. No, no, because he's still a Democrat. Yes. He's still a liberal. Yes. Don't kid yourself. Right. But he's one of the liberals that will still. Vote Democrat, no matter what he said about Chris Christie. He just hates Biden. I get it. So you may as well play it before I announce the WABC winners and get to know him. Layden, here he is, the voice of ESPN, making somewhere between 8 and $10 million a year. Stephen A. Smith, courtesy of Sean Hannity and Fox News, telling people, I'll take fat Chris Christie over Joe Biden. But my staff tells me you're friends with Chris Christie. You know, you don't want him for president, do you? I'd rather have him for president than Donald Trump. I'll be the first to admit that. I understand that he's got a, a gladiatorial attitude and he's ready for, to combat, combat. We know what he did to Marco <coughs> Rubio in 2016 during the primaries and all of that stuff. We get all of that. I think that he's a guy that is not walking around and preaching about, you know, uh, uh, rigged elections and all of this other stuff. He's about moving the country forward. I don't know whether he'll win or not. I know it's a long shot. I understand that Donald Trump's got him beat by a mile at this particular moment in time, but in the same breath. I don't think he's going to be pushed around by the former president. And I think that Chris Christie knows what he's talking about. He's highly intelligent. And there he is, you know, sitting on a beach that he closed himself. One rule for him, one rule for the rest of the mm-hmm. people in New Jersey. Well, wait a minute. Well, well, first of all, that's something that I'm supposed to be bringing up. I'm surprised you're bringing that up about a conservative and a Republican candidate. Way to go for you, Sean. But at I the end of the day, well, I'm not a conservative. trying to campaign for Chris Christie or anything. I, 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 I listen, the bottom line is he's certainly not a liberal. Uh, the bottom line is this. When you look at him, and I, I think that, you know, he's competent, and more importantly, he's going to be talking about issues as opposed to having us distracted with a whole bunch of nonsense that we don't need to be distracted with as a country. That's all I'm saying. Now, whether he wins and I know it's a long shot. I know it's a very long shot, but I tell you this much, I'd vote for him before I'd vote for any of the Democratic candidates that I've seen, but that's not the same when it comes to DeSantis or Trump. But when it comes to him, I know that's what position I take. I'm a registered independent. You understand? Right. And why, that's what I would take. Then? That's how I feel about it. 
I kind of like that. Stephen A. Smith taking uh, <clears throat> time out, if you will, from tonight's Game 3 of the NBA Finals down in Miami between the Heat and the Nuggets, a series that has now been reduced to a best of five. They're tied at one. Stephen A., who ordinarily this time of year, would be talking about Jokic on Denver and Jimmy Butler on Miami. He's talking about Chris Christie and Joe Biden. I like that. I do, and, you know, that's what I've done, right? I mean, for the most part, I've we do still, we still talk sports here uh, every morning. You know, I'm going to see Phil Mushnick, in fact, on Friday night at a dinner with Arnie Wexler and Craig Carton. And I made a point to Arnie. I said, we still talk sports, but certainly the overwhelming majority of our conversations is about politics. And I like to see people get out of their comfort box and discuss things that may be more important, mind you, than the heat and the nuggets. So even though I don't agree with Stephen A. Smith, I commend him for tackling more serious topics. Is that okay? Well, I appreciate that, Sid Rosenberg, because you are comparing yourself with how I am looking at the world. Sean actually brought up an interesting uh, little tidbit. Yeah. Was that he's not the highest paid anymore at ESPN. Who is? Somebody else. I don't know. Uh, I don't think that's true, but I don't know. What do I know? Maybe it's Russo. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. You don't, you you just got in possession of your facts. (laughs) (laughs) You you have them written down a couple, you come back to me. Okay. I will, I will tell you how it goes. (laughs) I've said this before. Justin Ellis. Talks half out of his ass, half out of reality. Yeah. I don't know if that is yeah. entirely true, but I can tell you one thing: he's not in possession of his facts. Yeah. He just doesn't. He doesn't have it. I think. I think. I know. I think. I heard. Right. When you have it, you come back to me. I'll be here. You're right. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. You can take it. Congratulations to WABC. It was announced yesterday the Excellence in Broadcasting Awards which comes down from the New York State Broadcasting Association. They've got their 57th annual luncheon coming up this September. And WABC, led by John and Margot Katsimatidis, two beautiful people, and Chad Lopez, won eight awards. Eight. A few of them include Cindy Adams, Best Feature, her interview with the lying governor, Andrew Cuomo, my friend Curtis Sliwa, Best Personality on Social Media, he was there for the closing of the legendary Lenny's Pizza in Brooklyn. Frank Morano, best podcast with Bill Shatner. Our election coverage won as well. Rita Cosby, Dominic Carter, and Noam Layden. And, of course, the only show to win the best show award at this station went to us. Best morning show in New York, sitting friends in the morning. As if there was ever any doubt. No, I'm Layden. Good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. You know, we were, you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, Chris Christie last night was the primary in New Jersey. And so I, you know, I try to be a good citizen yeah. and uh, I went to the polls. And as I was walking over to my polling place in Jersey City, this woman, you know, about a block away, she said, are you on your way to the polls? And I said, I was. And she told me that she was one of the candidates running for this certain race. So I said, she said, do you want, do you mind if I really? chat with you? Yeah. And, uh, someone had told me about her. So I was like, yeah, let me, let me chat with her. So she walked with me as far as she was legally allowed to walk. And in that like 25 seconds of conversation I had with her, I was like, oh, this woman's an idiot. I am not voting for her. <laughs> she actually had the opposite effect. So now, um, in there, in this polling station with my son. So he's, cause he's voting, same age as your daughter. Daughter, and he's all excited and they can't this is not not shocking in jersey city in the very blue hudson county they can't figure out how to bring up the republican ballot so he can vote in the republican You're kidding, right? no 
No, like at some point they bring it up and it's the wrong one, and oh he kind of shouts behind the curtain, no, this is the wrong one, and they finally get the right one. So then um, I have this uh, – She, I realize the woman that I had chatted with – she she's uncontested, so she was standing out there. She's going to win no matter what. What but was now, she running for? I don't want to say because you know it's a small town race. Right? You called know. her an idiot. Yeah, I just called her an idiot. Yeah. So so you should say. So now that would be so great. It would, but nobody knows who she is. So then right. I'm like, I can't vote for this woman, but it's uncontested. But there is a space where you can put in, write in your own vote. They have it very easy now. You right. touch the thing sure. and you put in the name. So I had promised Curtis Lewa a long time ago. That I would vote for him. So I vote for Curtis Sliwa for that spot, right? At some random spot in New Jersey? In Jersey City. Curtis so, Sliwa? So then I go down the ballot and I realize, oh my God, this is all kind of the same. They're all uncontested races. So my, I'm here for no reason. I've shown up for no reason. And so I now, just had that conversation with Nicole Maliotakis. Right. That a lot of the Staten Island races coming up, same thing, uncontested. Yeah, and so then I'm like, what? And and I know the people I'm voting for are uncontested. When it comes to the general election, they don't stand a chance. So I say, well, if I voted for Curtis Sliwa, I need to vote for the guys on the show. But at that point, there's only one space left. So I'm I'm like, do I vote for Sid Rosenberg or do I vote for Sid and Friends in the morning? Because I don't want to insult anybody else on sure. the show. Right. So I start to put in Sid and Friends in the morning, but that won't let you do that. It only could give you two names, right? You can only put in two names. Otherwise, it doesn't recognize it. So the first name I put in is Sid and Friends, all one word. And then in the morning. <laughs> the oh, you broke part. it up. Yes, I and broke it, it up. So I've already put a call out to the Jersey City Elections Bureau so we can get a copy. Oh, because that's awesome. They have to publish all these votes. That's and awesome. We'll get to see Curtis Lee and Stephen <laughs> Friends yeah, in the that morning. That's great. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, nicely done. Noel. Thank you. By the way, I just wanted to point out do we have another minute or two? Sure. Because that wasn't what I was going to talk about. But I quickly want to talk about this woman named Pop Star. Did you hear about this? I don't know if I have. So she's a woman who hangs out in Tompkins Square Park. And over the weekend, she went on a hair pulling spree. She went up to seven different women and yanked their hair as hard as she possibly could. Did she actually pull hair off of people's heads? She pulled hair off people's heads. At one point, I mean, it is really upsetting video to watch. She is dragging this woman by her hair. The random strangers, they're just out picnicking on a nice day. Uh, This is when I witnessed. Crazy. She was just walking up to random people and grabbing their hair completely unsolicited. I've never seen somebody so go up to somebody and so confidently just... And, like, take it. Then she goes around the neighborhood. She pulls food off of people who are eating at tables at outdoor restaurants, throws it on the ground. So police catch up with her out about 15 minutes later. They cuff her. So we call the NYPD to find out what happened to her. Nobody at the NYPD has any record that she's been cuffed. Okay, but they do have record that she's been walked over to Bellevue Hospital, which oh, makes boy. sense, right? right? For mental course. evaluation, yes. which yes. makes sense. That's where she probably yes. should be. Well, guess where she was yesterday? Uh, Rayos. <laughs> yeah, you're with Bo <laughs> at his table. <laughs> no, she was back out in Tompkins uh, Square course. Park. Of course. So uh, yeah, clearly yeah. this woman needs help. What is her name? She goes by the people know her so well, and they're so afraid of her, by the way. Right. When they see her, people who know her move out of the way. That's how frightening and this woman is. And her name is what? Popstar? She goes, well, this is the name he gave herself, Popstar. And she's well known in that park he, for oh, years. Well, for a long right. time, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is, see, me, I don't have to worry about that. 
Good luck pulling in you, too, by the way. Good luck pulling on. Oh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, by the way, nobody came to the aid of these women. Nobody. Um, yeah, because everybody's afraid to now. Because if you jump in, yes. you can get in trouble. Look at my uh, good friend and your good friend, the Marine, Daniel Penny. In fact, we're still waiting to hear from Thomas Knipp, the attorney. The grand jury is looking at that case as we speak between the Marine, the heroic Marine, Daniel Penny, and the psycho on the subway, Jordan Neely. All right, we got to get to uh, Gordon Chang. Excellent job, as always, Noam Layden. Excellent yep. job. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit-In Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. found out who the guy is that makes more than Stephen A. Smith at ESPN. It is Pat McAfee. <clears throat> you know, I'm one of those guys that wakes up on Saturday morning. I admit this, and I watch ESPN game day. I like it. Sorry. I like uh, Kirk Herbstreet. I like the old coach when he's there. He's sick a lot these days, Lee Corso. I like Desmond Howard. I like the kid that played at Georgia. What's his name? The defensive lineman. Good-looking guy. He's on the show, too. I forget. They used to have uh, Marsha Taylor. She's gone. She went to NBC. Anyway, long story short, McAfee, who's the host of that show? Of, uh, is, is it Ravage or one of those good-looking uh, white guys? I think it might be called Ravage. Yeah. <laughs> Forget which one it is, but used to be Reese Davis. But long story short, McAfee is on that show now, and he annoys the hell out of me. And I'm watching it last year. He's like the star of the show. I'm like, how? These guys have been here for 100 years, Kirk and Desmond. Turns out Pat is the guy that makes more money than Stephen A. Smith at ESPN. Yeah, well, he has his own big, 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 yeah, big show. I know. He's annoying. Gordon Chang, on the other hand, he is a tremendous talent and not annoying. Gordon G. Chang. you got to follow Gordon on Twitter. Let me read some of the tweets from the last couple of days from Gordon G. Chang. At Gordon G. Chang. Here's one. Yesterday. The forces of hell are now roaming the world. But with our faith and our fortitude, we will prevail. Same day yesterday. Let's make our prayers the strongest force on earth. (laughs) Pray with fervor. Let's stick with yesterday. Yesterday, a friend asked, what now? My answer, we prepare as if war is imminent, because it very well may be. And if we prepare for imminent war, we will almost certainly be successful in preventing it. That's one day on Twitter with Gordon Chang. And you want to know why I think he's a great guest? Here he is, my friend, Gordon. Good morning, Gordon. Good morning, Sid, and thank you very much. Uh, you're very welcome. It's um, another day on Twitter for you, and we've been doing these for a while now, having these conversations and reading these tweets, and it seems like you've amped up your frequency in terms of the you know the uh, you know the, the Chinese coming after America and a war not if but when it seems like you've kind of ramped it up yes well the Chinese have ramped it up there were those two dangerous intercepts one of the U.S. RC-135 reconnaissance plane on May 26 and the other last Saturday of that uh, Chungun uh, the Arleigh Burke destroyer so China is now going after us hard. I said on Twitter a couple days ago that I think they'll let off now. Uh, I hope they will. But if they don't, 
then we really have to worry because that means the Biden policy is in complete failure. And so we're going to have to watch over the next month or so how this proceeds. As I said, I think the Chinese will back down for various reasons, but uh, that's only maybe hope more than expectation. Well, you say the Chinese may back down for various reasons. Give me one or two of those reasons. Well, I I think that there is now much more attention paid in the region itself. And so um, China is seeing it's not just the United States, but it's other countries that are coming together with us to form a coalition to contain aggressive Chinese behavior. Um, I think Xi Jinping understands that he's now gotten the world's attention in a way that he doesn't want. But, you know, as I said, this is just merely a guess. The thing that I worry about is the Biden administration um, backs down itself with uh, not having as many freedom of navigation operations, not having as many reconnaissance flights, because these are important. You know, Sid, the one consistent foreign policy that the U.S. has had since the very beginning, 1776, is really the defense of the global commons. And so if we back down, what we're doing is we're acceding to Chinese aggression and telling China that aggression works. So I wonder, the news, of course, is that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is going to China in a couple of weeks. He, I guess he uh, postponed his last trip. Now he's going. And I wonder, is Blinken, if you had to take a guess, Gordon, is Blinken going there to play nice with Xi Jinping? Or is he going there to basically say, hey, like Trump did with the Afghanis, you do this and we're coming hard at you. What kind of Blinken do you think the Chinese are going to get? Well, the Blinken that we have seen in public is the nice one, the one who is not very tough at all. And so um, I worry that the Blinken we're going to get in Beijing is the one who tries to placate China. And, you know, it is Blinken's State Department, and this is Reuters reporting, that right after the balloon incident in January and February, the State Department postponed measures that they had been intending to put in place because they didn't want to anger China. So China saw that uh, by being belligerent, it got what it wanted. And so this is sort of actually giving incentives to China to be more provocative. And this is just the opposite of what our foreign policy should be. It's interesting. Yesterday we commemorated Gordon Chang. Follow Gordon Twitter, Gordon G. Chang, 79 years since our brave men stormed the beaches in Normandy, all the Allied forces, actually, not just America, uh, pretty much putting an end, the beginning of the end to World War II. We had President Donald Trump on this show about two weeks ago, and he talked about World War III. And he said, look, if I don't win and this administration remains in power, I'm not going to, I'm telling you for sure, it's a guarantee you're going to have World War III. And he said, listen, Sid, here's the difference. World War One and World War Two, there were tanks, there were guns, you know, Gordon. World War Three, he said, it's going to be nuclear. One of these crazy bastards is going to fire up a nuclear weapon, and you're never going to come back from it. Is Donald Trump going over the top of that statement, or do you think he may be somewhat accurate? I think he's somewhat accurate. Um, I think that it is extremely probable that we'll have World War III. Not Nothing's inevitable, Sid. Um, So we can't say for 100 percent what's going to happen over the next five years. But it's extremely likely because right now the momentum is for war. And the issue for the American people is who's going to stop it? What's going to stop it? Well, give me this. If you you think that it's likely World War III over the next five years, 
Let's get the players involved, not to make it a sport. It's not that cute. But you got the United States. You got China. Who else? Uh, just about everybody else, um, because uh, China and Russia are going to use their proxies. So we're going to talk about Iran, Algeria, North Korea. And if there is uh, disturbances in East Asia, then you're going to see uh, Japan, Australia, probably South Korea also be involved, um, because this is going to just spread. You know, it's already spreading. You have, for instance, the war in Ukraine. So there have been problems in Central Asia. They've been extremely minor. But North Africa right now is falling apart. Yeah. You have Sudan, um, which Russia and China are destabilizing. You've got problems in southern Libya. And you have Algeria pressuring Morocco. So this is getting really bad. And the reason why North Africa is important is because you have Central Africa actually now falling apart with chaos, terrorism, all the rest of it. It is the five countries of North Africa that protect Europe from the chaos southern in, in Central Africa. So if, if uh, those five countries in North Africa go up in flame, then, you know, Europe is next. I wonder if this story, though, uh, does at least scare Ping just a little. I know you're aware of this, but this this uh, just came out yesterday, CNBC, that China's exports have plunged by 7.5% back in May, far more than expected. Would that worry the Chinese leader or make them angry? Um I think that it probably makes him angry because everything makes him angry, but it should worry him because exports are the one thing for the last two months that have kept the Chinese economy going. What's really serious is that in May, exports fell 4.5%. That is the eighth straight month that imports have fallen. Imports are more important than exports because they show domestic demand. They show the health of the Chinese economy. So they've fallen eight straight months in nine of the last 10. And in May, imports would have fallen even more but I think that they have been inflated by emergency food imports, which are basically China's preparation for war. So look at imports. Imports show a Chinese economy that is almost certainly contracting. Xi Jinping realizes he's now got a closing window of opportunity because he only has so much more time before his country falls out underneath him. So is it fair to say, Gordon Chang, as we prepare for this next election, now 12 guys are in the GOP side, I should say, Chris Christie, Mike Pence, the governor of North Dakota, they all entered the last couple of days, that as we look at why Republicans need to win, they're going to start, obviously, domestic, inflation, all the issues going on in the United States. But from our conversations, I gather, Gordon Chang, that you think the biggest issue we are facing is not at home, but abroad, because a war, like you've been saying, may be inevitable. Should that be the Republican, the GOP playing card right now, or keep it right here? Well, I mean, I, I'm a, I don't do domestic politics. I'm neither a Republican nor a Democrat. Um, but it, for party, for both parties, it should be China. I mean, because China is here. We have um, something like 65, 70,000 deaths last year from doses of illegal Chinese fentanyl. I mean, that's that's a war on America's soil. We have um, this migration of Chinese into our countries. As I said, 99.99% of them are who they say they are. They're just desperate Chinese wanting to leave. But also it appears that there are Chinese saboteurs, People's Liberation Army or Ministry of State Security agents, because 
And Michael Yon, the great war correspondent, is reporting groups, not just individuals, but groups of Chinese males who pretend not to speak English, who are of military age and who are coming without family groups. That looks like uh, agents meant to conduct war on our soil on the first day of problems in Asia. Mm. Wow. Hey, Gordon, man, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you know, I reach out to Justin. I say reach out to Gordon because almost every day is another story about the Chinese. And you and Lydia are so quick to get back to me. And every time you come on, you're great. You're not good. You're great. Please follow Gordon Chang today, folks. He's a terrific follower. You'll learn a lot. I do at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter, Gordon G. Chang. And once again, Gordon Chang, thank you. Well, thank you, Sid, and stay safe. You too, buddy. Thank you. We'll talk again uh, again to Gordon Chang, I would think, very, very soon as the news moves very quickly with any one of those countries, China, Russia, North Korea, Africa, continent, of course, all of them. All right. That wraps up three hours of your favorite news talk show in the morning. I think we got a very cool final hour today. I'm telling you, folks, we have a young lady running in District 13 for City Council. I think you're going to like her. She's going to stop by. Her name is Samantha Zerka with her friend Stefania. And before that, the king of New York Morning Radio. Yes, I'm admitting there is somebody more popular than me. He is Mr. Z100, Mr. Z Morning Zoo. My friend Elvis Duran joins me on Sid and Friends in the Morning on the other side. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. How many of us have them? 77 WABC. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you. remember the first time I actually met Elvis Duran. It could have been when I was coaching the Christopher Reeve slash Dana Reeve celebrity hockey game at Madison Square Garden. It could have been when we did a promotion together many years ago for the Brooklyn Cyclones. Either way, it was the early 2000s. Now, Elvis 
has been a morning star here in New York now, I believe, for 27 years. I think the Z100 Morning Show started back in April of 1996. So either way, he was four, five, six, seven years in and already a major star. Haven't seen Elvis in many, many years. And about three weeks ago, my wife and I and our friend Jessica went to Il Cortile, my buddy Tommy's Italian restaurant on Mulberry Street in Little Italy, and sitting right next to us, Elvis Duran and his beautiful husband, Alex. We had a great conversation, as if we had seen each other every day for the last 25 years. And here he is, honored to have him on Sid and Friends in the morning, the king of New York radio, the real Elvis, Elvis Duran. Good morning, Elvis. How am I supposed to say anything after that glowing introduction? That's crazy. (laughs) It's all true. But I don't remember if it was in Brooklyn or Manhattan or the first time we met. But I remember this. You were a lot heavier, about 140 pounds heavier. This was before you had that major surgery. Now you're all slim and gorgeous. What was that like for you, by the way, having that surgery and losing all that weight? It was the best idea ever. I could finally see my private parts after all those years. And you know what? Uh, my doctor, surprisingly, didn't come to me and say, Elvis, you just need to do some push-ups and stop eating. He said, you need to get this surgery. And I said, well, isn't having bariatric surgery sort of the, the quick fix? He said, not at all. You know, he said, if you have cancer, you have it removed. And this thing is going to kill you just like cancer would. So best decision ever. And uh, But, you know, years later, as they predicted, the weight starts to creep back. The stomach starts to expand a little bit. So now the struggle, the struggle begins again, Sid. Well, it didn't seem to me that night at Il Cortile like you were worried at all about uh, putting on any weight. In fact, you ate like Jesus at his last dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yes, Jesus loves, <laughs> loves Italian food. It was great. And I loved seeing you and your wife there that night. And I was reminded of that time we were on the baseball field together. I do believe it was Brooklyn. It was for Christopher Reeves. Yeah, absolutely. That was a great day. It was a great day. And, uh, you know, listen, I, I followed your career. I lived in Boca Raton for 16 years. So, obviously, one of the hot spots for your morning show is, uh, besides Z100 in New York, is Y100 down in Miami. So, lots of mornings I'd be missing home. I'd put on Elvis Duran, and I'd get that New York feel again. I do have to ask you this, though. This is the $64,000 question. Everybody knows you as Elvis Duran. That's not really your name. You were born in Texas, Barry Cope. How the hell did Barry Cope become Elvis Duran? Well, uh, I was given that name more than three-quarters of my life ago by a program director who said, this is who you will be if you want the job. So I, I took it. It was and, that uh, simple? I was, I, I've been cursed with it ever since. Absolutely. It's simple. <laughs> your parents didn't get true. mad? Your mom and dad didn't no. get mad? No, I, I moved out of their house. I did, they didn't have to pay my bills anymore. Are you <laughs> mad? No. But you know what? It's 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 my name. That's my name. You know, and that's it's on my it's my legal thing. You know, I'm I'm there. So Elvis Duran, it is. Elvis Duran, it is. And I have to tell you that one of the um, one of the memories that Danielle and I talk about almost every year around Christmas is when Danielle was pregnant with my only daughter Ava, who's now 19 years old. Danielle wanted to go see Jingle Ball. And I had met you not long before that. I'd met John Bell. I knew about Danielle. Didn't really know her. You're Danielle, not mine. And uh, so I made a call to John Bell, and I said, listen, 
I just met Elvis. He and I are best friends at this point. But dying to go see Jingle Ball, what are the odds I can get two tickets? And I will tell you that Danielle called me not long after that, and you guys dropped off two Jingle Ball tickets in Astoria, Queens, at the studios of WFAN. And, yes, Danielle and I went to see it. In fact, Beyonce was on stage. It was a very, very big deal. Maybe one of the very first ones, I'm not sure, 19 years ago. And that was a great memory. Now, we had to leave because the music was so damn loud, but my wife's pregnant stomach was actually running like the bass inside the theater. But, my God, was that a great time. You know what? The Jingle Ball sells out in just mere moments every single year. It has every single year. And, of course, now we're learning that. Maybe the tickets aren't as plenty as we originally thought yeah. because of the, the world and business we work in. But that is a huge show. It's so difficult to get in. I have friends asking for tickets all the time, and I can't get them in. You know, it, it's it's weird. It's like, Sid, you see someone wearing your T-shirt with your name on it, but you can't have one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. But, yeah, those those are the yearly thing here in New York. And I tell you, I know it, Unlike your show, which is a New York powerhouse of a show, we're on everywhere else. So we can't be as New York as we want to be. But, you know, we claim Jingle Ball at Madison Square Garden every year as the biggest Christmas event of the year in New York. And that's that we feel like true New Yorkers every year because of Jingle Ball. I love it. Oh, it's a big deal. You guys do a great job. But Elvis, there are so many though you know, the, the Z type morning shows that have been going on for a long time, a long time across the across the country. Why do you think, besides the fact that you are a tremendous, tremendous talent and a super guy, everybody loves Elvis Duran, everybody, why do you think you guys figured it out? What did you do 27 years ago and since that your quote-unquote morning zoo show has become the industry standard for everyone? I can't speak for anyone but us, but I will tell you what, I know we're doing right. Uh, The only thing I take credit for is surrounding myself with the best people, good friends, they they do the heavy lifting because they are the, the, the ones who know how to technically make it happen. They're the ones that have different points of view because, the, like, Danielle is a parent. My friend Gandhi works with me, is is younger and, and comes from an Indian family. You, know, you have all these different different perspectives on the show that make it interesting. If it was just me, it wouldn't be interesting. As a matter of fact, I wish I had people on this interview with me to make – this more interesting. <laughs> but, you know it is, that's, it's, but other than that, I don't take any credit for it. it it's, it's all them. It truly is. Well, that's nice. I you know I do the same thing when they talk. I've got, I've got a bunch of guys on this show, Justin Ellick, Lou Rafino, Noam Layden, and I do the same bullshit you just did when they asked me. I go, yeah, without them, I couldn't be great. But it's all nonsense, of course. I've been great before them. I'll be great after them, and so will you. But it's very nice the way you did that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're very, I know, you're very, very nice. I do want to ask you about uh, another part of your life, which uh, people do know. And that is that uh, you are gay. I've met your husband. He's a gorgeous guy, by the way, and a very, very sweet guy. And uh, we are in Gay Pride Month. Is that a big deal for you, Elvis Duran, or not really? Uh, you know what? It's yeah, no, it's 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 good. You know, I, I think Gay Pride Month is an interesting month where you know the city gets a little more colorful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, more, rain, more rainbows than usual. But, yeah, yeah you know what? You know, I, I go back, you know, I'm, I'm 58 years old. And when I was a kid growing up in Texas in the, in the Bible Belt, you know, being a gay kid was a very, very different thing back then than it is now for most kids. Um, I'm not saying that there are kids out there that have it, that, that don't have it easy, but 
um, I was very lucky. I was surrounded by people in that very conservative uh, lifestyle and life that supported me and were cool, you know. And so gay pride, to me, it, it means something different to everyone. To some people, it's like, who cares? And to others like me, I understand the significance. I understand all of my friends who are in their 80s and some already dead because they're so old who kind of paved the way for us to try to just live our lives as a part of society and not be outcasts. And so, yeah, it is a, a moment to reflect, but also, you know, it's the hottest month of the year and we're on vacations. And so it's, it's a busy time. But when I do see the rainbow flags flying outside a restaurant, I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Happy gay pride. Yeah. Then we move on. All right. Elvis Duran, the king of morning radio, the Z Morning Zoo, of course, at uh, Z100. So, Elvis, over the years, you've interviewed just about every major musical star, celebrities, and from Taylor Swift the last couple of years to Bruno Mars. These are the big names these days. Who was the first act that walked into your studios at Z100 and you were like, holy that's dot, dot, dot. You know what? So considering the timing when I was here, it must have been Bon Jovi, you know. Um, bon Jovi, of course, huge, you know, at the Jersey Shore and here in the Northeast. And uh, when I finally got to New York and I said, okay, what's my first interview? They said Bon Jovi. I'm like, oh, God, oh God here we go. <laughs> yeah. This must be New York. This must be Z100. Because they had already become very, very big back then. But I will tell you, some of my favorite artists I've interviewed are the ones that walked in those same hallways you're in right now. And I'm talking Paul McCartney and Sting and the ones that have been around, Elton John. Wow. The ones, the, the artists who've been around who don't have to travel with a, an entourage anymore because they know, they know who they are. Right. They're cool in their own skin. Those are my favorite interviews because uh, all the artists who are up and coming now can learn so much from them. See, I agree I with you. Them. I'm an older guy. I'm 56. I'm a classic rock guy, to be honest. You and I are both dear friends with a colleague of yours at Clear Channel, Jim Kerr. And uh, oh, yeah. those are my guys, Elton, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen. You know, I don't really care much, i got to be honest, for the modern-day acts. And you know, there are a couple of songs I like. And to be honest, Elvis, I couldn't even tell you who sings them. But you can't do that. You have to be up on this stump and act almost like you care. And I got to, I got to, you do care. I, I do care. I do, I do <laughs> appreciate some of the artists that are coming up these days. I truly do. Well, and, give me, uh, give me, give me, give me, give me two or three artists that are coming up these days, Elvis, that 10 years from now we still may be talking about them. Well, okay. I'll give you one who's somewhat already come up. That's Taylor Swift. She seems to be doing okay. She's amazing. <laughs> She's doing all right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I could go on and on and on. I mean, uh, then you you have you know, the EDM. You have the, the dance artists like the Chainsmokers. You have. I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm speaking a different language. I don't think you know who any of these people are. No, I do. I, I actually love the Chainsmokers song they do with Coldplay. I love that song. Oh, absolutely. They did that in one of our concerts once. Yeah, there you go. You see? I know my stuff. <laughs> you do. You do know your stuff, Sid. Well, I'm about to go on the air. we got to go say good morning to the Smoky City. I know. It's crazy. So be careful out there, Elvis. I love you to pieces. This was a great conversation. Continued major success. You're a sweetheart. Enjoy your day today. We'll talk again to each other very, very soon. Thank you. Sid, am I officially one of your friends now? You are officially a friend. In fact, next month in the New York Post, it's monthly. We put up pictures of me and 12 of my friends. The Elvis Duran picture will be in the New York Post. Oh, uh-oh. I'll prepare for that. That sounds hot. <laughs> All right, Sid, you go have a – I know you've had a great show already today. You Continue the show and have a wonderful day, okay? Elvis, I love you, buddy. Thank you. 
Take care. Take care. That is the great Elvis Duran, of course, morning show host, the Z100, Z Morning Zoo. And as talented a guy as he is, he's also a sweetheart. We'll be right back right after these words. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Well, she's all you'd ever want. She's the kind I'd like to flaunt and take to dinner. But she always knows her place. She's got style, she's got grace. She's a winner. She's a lady. Oh, 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 she's a lady. Talking about that little lady. And the lady is Tom Jones, happy 83rd birthday to the man that even at 83... We'll have these two ladies in my studio right now throw their panties and bras at him on stage. They still do that. Of course, in his stories, it was cute. Now you've got, like, my mother. She's 88. <laughs> throwing her panties at uh, Tom Jones. Uh, it's been a great show today. Curtis Sliwa, Peter King, Nicole Maliotakis, Gordon Chang, and uh, just uh, my friend Elvis Duran from the Z Morning Zoo. But uh, we wrap up the guest list today with uh, two very, very important ladies one is my friend Stefania. She's an amazing girl. She goes from, like, she's a model, and uh, she has her own agency. She's a really big player in New York. And then all these politicians, they end up hiring her, like Fernando Mateo, who probably got his ass kicked by Curtis. But uh, he hired her, and uh, this lady in studio right now. So they keep dragging. Remember Al Pacino and Godfather 3? Every time I think I'm out, they keep dragging me back in. And with her is Samantha Zerka. She is running for city council in District 13. Let me start with you quickly, then I'll go to Samantha for the rest, okay? Uh, because we are friends. You've been here many times. Luke Pettigrew, Fernando Mateo. Uh, what was the other guy that... Uh, David Carreras. Yes. So they keep dragging you back into politics. I know you love it. I know. I love it, you know. Uh, maybe I'm doing something good. You That's must be. Why, right? You must be. Maybe, yes. So do you think that this will this will be it? You're still going to do the modeling stuff, right? Oh, yes. Yes. But, you know, that's only two seasons. That's February and September. That's it. So right. I would dedicate to that no matter what. Right. Because I go New York, Fashion Week, London Fashion Week, fa- uh, Paris Fashion Week, and Milan. Oh, you go to Milan, right. right. Yes. Exactly. But um, now I'm back in the game. Back in the so game. So do okay. better watch out. Well, let me tell you this. Nice American flag, by the way, Stefania. Uh, Donald Trump gave it to me, you know. That's not true. Yes, it is. Donald Trump gave you Here. that? 
Here. Well, yes. how do I know that? It doesn't say his name on it. It is. Do you want to see it? It says his name on it? Yes, it says no, no, his name. No, no, I believe you. Where did he give that to you? Where, where was it? Is that the White House? That was when uh, with Mateo, the mayor. You know what's unbelievable about you? I, I'll, I'll, I'll go by your Instagram page every now and then. And you're like at the, like yesterday at the United Nations with Nikki Haley. You end up at like the biggest, most important events. Yes. How? I think it's God. God wants me here for it's that God. reason. Yes. She's like Eric Adams. God wants him to be the mayor, and God wants to find you. No, I'm serious. It's a credit to you. I congratulate you Thank that you. all these huge political events, including President Trump, uh, they involve you. And that brings us to Samantha Zirka. Now, Samantha is not really your first name. Hasima is my first name. And so uh, are you from Albania? Yeah, I'm born in America, but yes. My You're Albanian? Are, yes. Ooh, you are tough people. Yes. Yes, you are. And this is a very, very uh, spicy race in District 13, the city council race. I told you that Curtis Sliwa, my dear friend, he has endorsed on this show a couple of times, George Havernack. Uh, I'm familiar with another lady running in this race, so I'm sure you're going to be talking about it very, very shortly, and that is Christy Mamorato. And now here is you. Uh, you are the three candidates up for the primary June 27th. Is that right? Yes, it is. Okay. Do you have any uh, relationship with George? Uh, like him, don't like him, just a competitor, anything with George? Um, I just know him from the community. I don't have, you know, any bad. Nothing bad. No nothing issues bad with George. No. Okay. Here comes the fun part. If I ask you, do you have any issues with Christy Marmorado? <laughs> something oh. tells me, being that she's related to Mike Rendino, that uh, you're not going to give me the same response. Am I right? Of course I'm not going to give you the same response. Um, you know, the GOP, the Bronx GOP, has has um, is, is nothing short of pure nepotism and cronyism. Um, from my previous campaign last year, I ran for state Senate District 34. I learned... Where was that? Is that the Bronx too? That's, yes, it was the Bronx and Westchester. Nice. Okay. Yes. I learned that the GOP, the chairman himself, nominates candidates and is himself the one that takes them down. And just so you know, Mike Rendino is the chairman, right? And Christy is his sister. Christy is his sister, and Christy's married to the Board of Elections Commissioner, um, Gino Mamorato. Yeah. So if, we, if that's not nepotism in itself, I don't know what is. You know, it's a power grab. You know, the GOP chairman was more interested in pushing his sister for this race than filling, you know, uh, finding candidates and bringing candidates forward to run against the Democrats. So there's Democrats that are running unopposed right now, including the district attorney of the Bronx. I always find it more fascinating uh, when these races uh, get personal, to be honest, Samantha. This is clearly personal. I almost feel like as much as you want to win, and again, you've got Stefania behind you, you've got the right person, and clearly you've had political success in the Bronx before, that maybe you will gain as much satisfaction if you lose that you're exposing Mike Rendino and what's going on in that party. Absolutely. You know, because of chairmen like Mike Rendino, we are in a one-party rule today. You know, and this one-party rule is causing, you know, destruction to our way of life. We're getting, you know, hit from all angles. We have fortune seekers that are seeking to put, you know, incarcerated, formerly incarcerated people into the Jacoby Hospital campus we have other fortune seekers as in builders you know billionaires that are looking to upzone our low density communities all the while it has nothing to do with affordable housing they're just coming from all angles and we do have to point the finger at the GOP chairman 
who has failed us time and again. You know, they nominate uh, candidates and they themselves, my, uh, Mr. Rendino himself, pushes to, um, you know, put uh, obstacles in the way of these candidates because he's in bed with the Democrats. You can call it a uniparty if you wish. Wow. Uh, excellent job here uh, on this uh, conversation, Samantha Zerka and my friend Stefania. See, my buddy Tom Sullivan, he ran for a city council in Queens. Uh, this is months ago, you know, and he won. He won by uh, lots of hundreds of votes, but he didn't win because it turned out that Stacey Pfeiffer Amato, her mother, is involved in local politics for a long time. Her father was a judge. And all of a sudden, a 300-vote uh, victory for my friend Tom Sullivan. All he did, by the way, ladies, was serve in Afghanistan, serve in Iraq, serve in Kuwait, drag bodies out of the burning buildings on 9-11, a real hero. His 300-vote win turned out to be the next morning. Well, he's only up by two votes. Mm. And four months later, they gave Stacey Amato the victory. That was clearly nepotism, corrupt, and he got beat. And you're worried about that. I don't know Mike Rendino, so I have no bone to pick with him. But I have no reason not to believe you. And it does seem odd that he nominated his own sister. I mean, it's it's pretty fishy. I mean, uh, it, it, we could also, you know, view it as pay to play some, somehow, some way. You know, what is this all about? You spend time. I mean, he really went out of his way to to endorse and nominate his sister and spend all the time pushing for her candidacy. Does she have any experience in, in um, politics? No, she has no experience. Zero. Zero. She's a, a radiological technician really? for 14 years, and I think that's the only background she has. Um, but you, let's set aside her experience because um, what we really need to focus on is the fact that he's done nothing for our community. He lives in Garden City, New York. In Long Island. He lives in Long Island. My wife works there. And yeah. he's dictating the outcome of the Bronx. That's not right. By way of not, you know... You know, you want to be a chairman, then let's be a chairman. Let's let's focus on, you know, producing great candidates and supporting them, supporting them. We are in a one party rule. We are in a you know, we're one one or two steps shy of being in a socialist society in the city of New York. What about the children? What about their education? What about, you know, our homelessness? Right. We're we're pushing for this migrant housing in the tent cities and all this wonderful stuff for People that don't belong in the city, especially in the Bronx. I mean, you guys yeah. have a lot, lot of issues with homeless, with with the migrants, with crime. There's yeah. a lot of work to do. I mean, there's, I know some lovely areas. I used to live in Riverdale. I guess that's still considered the Bronx. Yes, Throg's Neck is is lovely. Down by, uh, you know, my uh, my brother's parents, his brother-in-law's parents, he's living by Allerton Avenue by the zoo. That was a cute area. But there's a lot of issues in the Bronx. And so for him to be living in Garden City, which is a very posh area mm-hmm. on Long Island. Doesn't seem like he he's affected every day. Has he? Uh, is this your first radio interview or TV? I know. I, I I interviewed with Giuliani as well. Oh, uh, Rudy. Okay, yes. great. Love Rudy. No, uh, okay. Andrew Giuliani. Oh, Andrew. Good. Okay. So uh, he's on Sundays, right? The uh, his show. So uh, did Mike hear that? Is he hearing this? Has he reached out to you and said, "Hey, Samantha, pipe down"? Uh, no, I don't have any words from Mr. Rendino. He was also but, shameful. But he hasn't called you. No, he, okay. he shamefully put out a, you know, sent a message to my, my staff mocking my, my son's death. So he has no, what, no what place. Stop right there. How old was your son? What did he die from? He, he, he passed away from misuse of, of a drug called propoxyphene. And Mr. Rendino called up my staff and suggested that I should worry about my son dying from a drug. How old was your son? Um, 16 and a half years old. So when he mocked Sorry. my son's death, he mm. mocked the death of every child 
in the Bronx and in the city of New York who has died from a drug why, overdose. Why, why would he do, I mean, look. It's, it's his way to distract, and it's pathetic, and he should be ashamed of himself. He's a father. He should be ashamed of himself. So I have no words for the man. Wow. I'm sorry about your son. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, I, I know that folks tend to dig to some low levels. I'm a huge Donald Trump supporter. He could be a real prick in these mm-hmm. races. But I don't think he would ever go as far as picking on somebody's dead child. And almost alluding to that I should be ashamed. My son's life was beautiful, you know, and he's yeah. in heaven. And he had no place to bring him down into dirty politics. Uh, listen, let me tell you something. I had two, uh, have one left. My mom, my dad, my dad passed away. Great uh, parents. Love me to pieces. Neither one of them ever used a drug in their life. And I've been to rehab twice because I couldn't stop drinking and doing cocaine for about 30 years. I could have easily been, uh, like your son, God rest his soul, one of those statistics. And they can never go back to my mom and dad and blame them because they were loving, giving parents. I took the wrong road. Thank God I got out of it. I wish your son had. I really do. Well, my but, son wasn't addicted to anything. He went to a, someone's house, and they, it was just a, a child's time? game. Child's game. They put something in his drink. Oh, it wasn't enough God. to kill a cat, but enough to oh, it's even worse. cause my son to go into respiratory depression. The point is, you know, we have a really big epidemic here. Yeah. Our children are, are dying you know, from fentanyl, and now there's this new zombie drug and stuff, and now we have the city of New York thinking it's okay to put vending machines that is going to, you know, give our children a normalization. Gross. You know, when it comes to crack pipes and, and, you know, a lip balm, you know, so we, and it's free. So what, you know, what are we really talking about? And we have a chairman that thinks it's okay to mock a child's death. It's not okay. For any parent to suffer the loss of any child. But just because Mike and Christy are brother and sister doesn't necessarily mean that they share all the same feelings and thoughts. Is is Christy a carbon copy of Mike? I'm not sure. You know, so I can't say I I, I wouldn't, you know, put that on her. She's I've heard nothing negative come from her, but her brother's doing her bidding, I should say. Wow. So this uh, primary is June the 27th. Uh, you're a very impressive candidate. I don't yeah. know if you're going to win, and I know Curtis likes George. Uh, I've never met George, so right now you're my candidate. Um, where can people uh, help you out? Where can they uh, donate and learn more about your campaign? Well, they can go to my website. It's www.samanthafornyc.com. Samanthafornyc.com. There's a great New Yorker right there, Bo Deedle. That is a great New Yorker. Hello. One of the uh, great cops and uh, terrific guy who's very politically in tune with what's going on. So, and I'm sure he knows Mike Randino as well. At any rate, uh, thank you both. It's always great to see you, Stefania. Thank you always. So much I'm happy. I'm happy she has you. And it's great to meet you. Thank I really you do so wish much. you the best of luck. And we'll talk again soon, hopefully after a victory, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Boy, now it's time for Sid's Take. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Wednesday morning, hump day. Edition of the Peerless Boilers Sid's Take Trivia Game, sponsored again by Pete Morgan, the wonderful Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers, PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Uh, which came first? Wednesday. That's your edition of the game today. I'll give you... Today, I think I focused a little bit more on inventions, Lewis. 
I see. Um, it wasn't a cop-out, and I was in no rush whatsoever. No. I thought it, long it, and hard about these questions. Looks very interesting. And um, Rob in Sleepy Hollow is going to give hit his best effort. Rob, what's going on, bud? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. Uh, cool. Sounds ready to go. Yeah, I, I'm so fired up by Rob. I can't. He's not yeah. ready. To, I'm, I'm good, mean, man. I'm good. Stop, was, ask, stop asking me questions. No, if I was sit, I would leave. Yeah. All right, Rob. Which came first, Wednesday? I'll give you two uh, inventions Hi. today. Two um, objects. You're gonna have to tell me which was developed, invented first. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Number one: cell phones or GPS. Cell phone. Nice. Okay. Spectacular. Close enough, Lewis. <laughs> a little quick there. Just a little kid. We know what Lewis thought. <laughs> I'm trying to take play the game. <laughs> Lewis thought it was GPS. <laughs> Cell phones is correct, Rob. 1973 versus 1978 on the GPS end of things. On to number two, one for one. The piano or the guitar? Piano. Oh. Piano, 1700, right around. Guitar, the guitar, 16th century. On the number uh, three, Rob, one for two. Still batting 500. Better than um, pretty much everybody. Uh, (laughs) Vaccines or the battery? Vaccine. Ooh, very good. Robert. Two for three. Bobby's on a roll. On the number four. Lighters or matches? <clears throat> Rob? Matches. Whoa! You would think matches. You would think. But nay. Matches 1826. Lighters 1823. Hmm. Challenging that one. Yeah, okay. That, Why don't you Google it, Lou? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to Google smart aleck answers. All right. That's fine. That's good. That's good. So he's trying to catch me in a lie. About 500, better than everybody. (laughs) (laughs) On to number five. What is he? uh, Two for four? Two for, yes. Two Two. for four. Two Two for four. On to number five, Rob, in an attempt to go three for five. Toothpaste or toothbrushes? Toothbrushes. Uh Oh, man. Damn. Toothpaste would be the correct answer. Because, uh... I don't know if you do this ever, Rob, but sometimes I brush my teeth with a uh, with my finger. I can't find a toothbrush if I don't have a toothbrush. The paste had to have come first. What else would you be brushing your teeth with if there was no paste? Very, very tricky. Yeah, it's a tricky question. I know. I know. That's why I write the he, game and nobody yeah, else. He knows because he has the sheet in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, Rob's going to hang out on hold. Get a chance to hear the big guy's uh, turn. How many you got? You got uh, two for two. five. This is a hard game. Uh, so I might not win today. Okay. You, I, you really, I'm ready to go. You rarely win. I know. Mm. But I um, I love losing. Yeah. <laughs> Develops character. Yeah, sure it does. You're every man. That's right. Mm. I'm every guy. We yeah. lose more than we win. Okay. Yeah. Except for this show, we always win. But go ahead. You keep saying like uh, sayings that make, they're not making any sense no. to me. Right, that's me. Okay. I, I like losing. Yeah, yeah I like losing. Okay. It's fine. Okay. All right. All right. Well, then you'll vote then for, uh, then you'll vote for not, Joe Biden in 2024. That's not what we want. <laughs> that's not, no. No one likes a loser. That's not, really no. stupid. No. I got to go. Bye. Which came first? Which came first? The cell phone or GPS? The cell phone or GPS? Hmm. GPS. No. 
I see. I keep doing the same thing. I know it's clearly the cell phone, right? And I tell myself it must be a trick question, right? But obviously, it's a cell phone. Obviously, yeah. Mm. Nineteen seventy-three versus nineteen seventy-eight. Under number two, over one. The piano or the guitar. The piano or the guitar. Clearly, it's the piano. No. <laughs> you really are stupid, you know that? Clearly, <laughs> clearly, clearly, it's not. The guitar, 16th century. The piano, 1700. On to number three, vaccines or the battery? The battery. Oh, my God. That was an easy one. Wow. wow. That was an easy one. Battery? Yeah. Why would the battery come before vaccines? Vaccines? I don't know. Yeah. Aren't that battery operated vaccines? No. No. Use battery for something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey. How am uh-huh. I doing so far? Uh-huh. Terrible. No. Under really, number four. Really good because you like losing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Lighters or matches? Oh, matches. No. Oh, <laughs> Stop. You can't, right? No, yeah. I'm not. Lighter. Yeah, the first lighter. Right <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my the God. lighter was yeah. 1823. Matches 1826. I'm, I'm, I'm just so you know. I consider myself, like, really smart. Yeah. This is not an act. I've gotten all four of those wrong, <laughs> and I've been cocksure. No. I'm saying that. Well, you should have used your original. You should have used your original strategy on that one. Well, I should have. You're right. And what's, the, what's the last one? Toothpaste <laughs> toothpaste, or toothbrushes? Well, what good is a toothbrush without toothpaste? That's what I said. So? so? Toothbrush. No. Oh, oh son of a... <laughs> well, wait a second. How do you make the paste boy have something to put it on? You gotta make the brush first, then you make the paste. That's not true. No, uh, you, you make the paste where you use your fingers? Did they make, uh, I don't know, did they make, uh. Here uh, comes something really stupid. Get ready. Here we go. Get ready. Really stupid. What? Did they make what? Yes, did they make is. Skittles first, or did they make, uh, the spatula? You understand the, the, no. the, uh, the analogy there? Because no. I don't. I thought he was gonna say Skittles or teeth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did they make, or not Skittles, uh, you know, uh, uh, the pans. Did they make pans first or the spatula? Pants or the spatula? Pan, like a pan, like oh, a pan. cooking pan. Oh, a cooking pan. A cooking. Yes, a cooking pan. Oh, a pan, a pan. God. Well, how'd I do? Uh, terrible. You did great. You did really bad. You know, I think I've gotten zero twice in yeah. the last couple of weeks. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. No, the game is too hard. It's, it's not written for All right. Well, but dumb people like me. It's only going to get harder. It's called the Everyman Game. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> great job, Justin Ellick. Great writing. Great hosting. We'll come back and wrap things up right after these words. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. So I get by with a little help from my friend. Happy birthday to the late great Prince. You can leave this playing. He's 65. Would have been 65 today. Little red Corvette. 77 WABC radio listeners. Get ready for your chance to win big. I mean big. Paramount in Huntington, Long Island presents an incredible opportunity to experience one of three amazing shows. This Sunday, June the 11th, witness The Man. He was on this show yesterday, Chaz, Palm, and Terry, in his captivating one-man show, A Bronx Tale. Then, two days later, on Tuesday, June the 13th, the iconic Nancy Wilson from Hart, she takes center stage, delivering an evening of classic hits that'll leave you mesmerized. And then the following night, Wednesday, June the 14th, 
You've got the lead singer of the Moody Blues, Justin Hayward, along with five-time Grammy Award winner Christopher Cross. What an unbelievable show. If you call the number seven right now, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222, and win tickets, a pair of tickets, to one of these three amazing shows, Chaz Terry, Nancy Wilson, and the duo, yes, of Hayward and Christopher Cross, 1-800-848-9222. We're done. Once again, happy birthday to Prince, Tom Jones, Dean Martin. Excellent job on my crew today. Lou Rafino is always outstanding. You too, Justin Ellick and Noam Layden. All of our guests today, Curtis Slewa, Peter King, Nicole Maliotakis, Gordon Shang, the uh, lady just in studio. I really enjoyed her, Samantha Zerka, Stefania, and Elvis Duran. God willing, as my driver Gene would say, we'll all be back at 6 a.m. tomorrow on a Thursday morning. Until then, New York, don't go outside. The air is hazardous. And don't take the subways. They'll kill you. Just stay home. From all of us to all of you, peace. Give me the keys, I'm gonna try to tame you